Good evening, everybody. Let's call roll, please. Councilmember Duran? Here. Councilmember McReynolds? Here. Councilmember Johnson? Here. Councilmember Halter? Here. Councilmember Campos? Here. Deputy Mayor Dr. Sanchez Palacios? Here. Mayor Schrader? Here. Seven members present. We do have a quorum. Thank you. We'll now go to the Pledge of Allegiance. Councilmember Halter? Now we're going to go to special presentations, and we have three tonight. I'm going to start off with um, the wonderful people from St. Bonaventure High School. Um, Joey, I see you out there. For most people, um, I'll let you know, Joey and my son Mark went to school together, and I, were you in the same frat? And used to go to church together, right? Yes, thank you. So, and they both graduated, which is also very good to know. So here's just some of the things. <clears throat> they had an overall record of 12 and 4. CIF Southern, Southern Section Division 3 champions. CIF State Southern Regional Division 1A champions. CIF State Division 1A runner-up. The one game had to be a miracle. Um, I don't know how you called that play at the end of the game with, what was there, six seconds left? I, um, I saw everybody in the stands making the sign of the cross. I think that's the only way you won that game. Yeah. Um, so they began the season with real adversity, losing uh, starting quarterback in the first game. The team struggled and found their identity. I can't emphasize enough how this struggle benefited them and the team and the coaches. That struggle and ability to learn when things don't go well was crucial. Um, the team had a long road trip to San Francisco and success on the field, and the memories on that trip made off to propel us to success we would have had for the rest of the season. After San Francisco, we would go on to win another five, making it six in a row as we prepared to play for another league championship. While we controlled much of the game against Oaks Christian, we were unable to make the plays when we needed to, and like other losses, we learned a lesson and felt prepared to make a run in the playoffs. Playoff run was something magical. More long road trips, defense was the identity of our football team and kept us in every game. The return of our quarterback in league and our running game allowed our offense to thrive and begin to execute when we needed it most. Hard work, dedication, toughness, belief in one another, and quite a bit of luck came into play for us to accomplish this feat. St. Bonaventure High School is a family, and there are so many individuals that contributed to the success of this season. Thanks a lot, and please let me know if you need anything else. Take care. So I have a proclamation. How do we want to handle Mr. McReynolds? You want to come down for the picture as well? No? All right. Coach? So let's go ahead and invite the coach and the team up. Yep. Come on up. And let's give them a round of applause.
guys all lined up in the middle so we can do a nice picture of Mary. All right, well, let's go ahead and give him another round of applause. We have certificates right here for you. And Coach, did you want to share a couple of, we'll just give a second for the mayor to. Absolutely. Thank you very much to, to Mayor Schrader and, and the City Council for, for having us here today. Um, Bill McReynolds for setting this up. We appreciate that. Um, this is really, really a special thing. I, I remember in 1996, I think, coming here when, when I was a little kid and then when I was in high school having this opportunity. And I've talked to our guys all about tradition and everything. And, and number one tradition is winning, and with winning and doing the right thing comes comes great, you know, great opportunities like this to receive this recognition. And so we thank you very, very much. Um, we had a, an exceptional group of young men this year, and, and families supporting us along the way. Um, and it truly, it, it, it takes a village to to accomplish what we did. And, and we thank you. And one of our our players, Matthew Driver, um, is here to to present something for you. Good evening. Um, on behalf of the St. Bonaventure football team um, and all the coaches and staff, I just want to personally thank all of you guys for allowing us to be here tonight and to share in this very historic moment and to relive some of the uh, pastime traditions that past great St. Bonaventure football teams have had. So I would like to present this football that has been signed from our team to you guys.
All right, one last round of applause. Coach just informed me that uh, he expects another CIF championship next year, and he's guaranteeing it, so thank you. Thanks for setting that bar low, Coach. Um, uh, next is uh, La Quinta Permanent Supportive Housing Update. Mr. Lambert, are you here? Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, um, Bonnie's, if you want, yeah. Now, if you're, if you're interested in the next couple of subjects, you're very welcome to stay. I have a 45-minute presentation if they want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the kids are bigger now. Yeah, I was going to ask them, but yeah, I'll put it up in the mayor. Mayor, are we all dismissed, or is it just? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mr. Lambert, it's all yours. Thank you. you. You took away my audience, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> I'm better off this way, I think. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm Jeff Lambert. I have the pleasure of being the CEO of the Housing Authority of the City of San Buenaventura. Uh, and this is my first opportunity to speak to you in this role, so I'm excited to update you. I want to give you a little bit of context of who we are as an organization for those that don't know the context, and then give you an update on, on the Valentine Road project. And I want to thank the city manager when the, when the, the agenda was first posted. Um, it called it um, temporary housing or transitional housing, and I want to make it clear this is actually permanent supportive housing. That's the magic of the home key funding. Um, I am joined today with, by our vice chair of the board, um, Jim White, uh, in the front row, um, and also our director of development, Karen Flock. Um, so we would not be here today without their work. And I also want to recognize Kyler Carlson. He's our project manager. Um, and um, he's not here because at about an hour ago, he submitted our tax credit application to the state for additional funding to finish this project. And I think he was up literally all night making that happen. So we gave him a pass tonight not to have to sit through his boss talking to the city council. So. Um, I just finished telling him he wasn't here. Uh, <laughs> I was right there. And then also uh, Ricardo Torres on our staff is in, in my wings on the, on the back of the wall as well. Um, I think this is a great opportunity to remind the council of our partnership, and I look forward to presenting tonight. So I think I'll go to the next slide. Um, so I think you know this, but our mission is pretty simple. I'm not going to read the mission to you, but our, our mission is really to develop quality, affordable housing. Um, but I think I'll talk in a little bit that our mission is also to have strong partnerships, and we consider the city one of those partnerships. Next slide. 
Um, so that here you see all of our board. Uh, I know that you know this, that you appoint my bosses. Um, so I really appreciate that work. Um, and I know right now the two members on the right, Catherine and Barbara, are our resident members. So by HUD rules, we have to have two of our members be actually residents of our property. And their terms are up, and they both applied to be renewed. So I'm looking forward to their renewal on the board. Uh, but you can see our board. We've been around since 1949. So this is our 75th year in operation um, serving the city of Ventura. Next slide. So we have sort of four orders of business that we do. Um, one is public housing, which is how we started 75 years ago. Really totally HUD-driven, supported uh, uh, public housing. The second is our housing choice vouchers, or Section 8 vouchers. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about that. The third is building new affordable housing, or in the case of, of Valentine Road, renovating existing buildings for more housing. And the third is community services, because we don't do this alone. We do this with a lot of community partners. And I'll talk a little bit about each of those components. Next slide. So first, public housing. Um, this is old school public housing. You see it if you come to our, our uh, property on, on, on the avenue, uh, uh, Westwood Village. West yeah, Westwood Village, um, and we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, this is housing that's completely funded by HUD, both the construction and the operation of that. Uh, this is a big part of what we have been, but we're really getting out of the public housing business as we go forward. Next slide. Um, so I mentioned Westview Village. This is what it looked like in 1949. Uh, it doesn't look like that today. Um, and this is one of the examples where we've converted out of public housing. I'll turn it to the next slide. I know Michael's busy over there. Oh, oh, you're not in charge, Michael. Okay. <laughs> um, so, um, and then uh, this is really our housing choice vouchers. Um, so this is the, the thing that the Section 8 vouchers, some of these are attached to projects and to buildings, and some of these are held by the individuals. Uh, they're either tenant vouchers or project-based vouchers. We have just under 2,000 of those in different types of categories. Um, but this is a way that we help, help people and we pay the subsidies so they can be in housing across the city. Next slide. Um, what we've been most uh, sort of active in the, in the last 10 years is new development. Uh, we own over 1,000 units in the city, um, and we've been building many new projects across the city, and I want to highlight just a couple of them. Next slide. Um, so the one I'm actually most proud of, having had the role as the community development director of the city, is in the, the one in the upper with the little left turn arrow in the street. That's called El, El Portal. The council might remember this was one of the, your worst nightmares. Um, it was one of the worst slumlord properties in the city. I think when the housing authority bought this property, it had over 300 code violations. Um, and I remember when Denise Wise, my predecessor, called me because we were the city was literally about to go to court and have that property taken from the property owner and given to the city to, to deal with. And the housing authority asked if we could pause for a while while the, the housing authority made an effort to try to buy the property. The housing authority has since bought that property and it now has 28 residents living there, and it's a really beautiful place. And what I like even more about it is the ground floor has what they call a maker space, um, and it's a place where kids come every afternoon after school and make stuff. And it's a really wonderful opportunity, and we are about to double their space in that building, which I'm really excited about. And I just wanted to highlight at the bottom that the, the Westview Village actually put $200 million into the economy and as we built out that project in the city. Next slide. And then we also, um, when we do development, we care about the environment, so we have a lot of standards by which we make sure those developments uh, look for the sustainability of our communities. Next slide. 
Um, and the fourth component is community service. And I'll, I'll go to the next slide just really quickly. I think what's great about this slide, this is just a sna snapshot of some of our partners that work with us to serve our residents and give our residents a chance to have a high quality of life um, and, and enjoy the, the world that we live in in Ventura. So I just wanted to recognize some of these partners. Uh, obviously, the city is one of those, those key partners. And I, I will also recognize uh, the police department. We have a great partnership with your police department. They're on call whenever we need them. Uh, and they, they, they're really terrific partners for us. Next slide. Uh, and before I mention the, the go off the, the police department, they have their shopping with kids program every holiday, and they use they actually had 20 of our, 25 of our kids go shopping with a cop um, at the Walmart on uh, Victoria, and it was really a great thing to see. I, I, I don't want to forget just giving some context. You all know these numbers, but how much it costs to rent an apartment in Ventura how much you have to make to be able to afford that apartment. And that just really means a lot of families are left out of being able to afford something. And that's why our, our goal is to continue to grow the supply of affordable housing uh, in the city of Ventura. Next slide. So now what I he came here to talk about is La Quinta. Um, so I'm really excited. Um, I, I, I'm, I will tell you that we formally named it uh, the Valentine Road Apartments. I know that's a very creative name and you're impressed with our creativity, um, but we really thought it, it told the story about this is, it's reminding people this, these are now apartments, it's no longer a hotel. Um, I, Karen's struggling with this, but I'm gonna make us paint the building so it doesn't have like La Quinta gold anymore um, and really begin to rebrand this property. So next slide. Um, as, as you know, this is going to be converted to 134 uh, permanent supportive housing units. So these are units that will be available to those tenants. They're, they'll each have a lease. They'll each be there as long as they comply with the lease and meet the standards by which uh, they're being housed. Uh, they could be there indefinitely. We hope some will move on to other, more, uh, other opportunities, but uh, we're excited about that. Um, it's only f targeted for those who are either ex currently experiencing homelessness or at risk of homelessness. We did get a home key award of $32 million, and I want to thank Heather uh, on your staff who's leading your communication team because we don't have a communication team at the Housing Authority, and um, she really helped us do that press release and let the community know that this was a, a big success for our community, and we're looking forward to that. And obviously, the city is a key partner. The county is a key partner, as well as all of our service providers. Next slide. Um, this gives you a, a, just a, a snapshot of who our residents will be. Uh, obviously, uh, many at risk of homelessness, those that are chronically homeless, and those that are homeless. Um, this is the population that we will serve at this property. Uh, we're also pleased to have a partnership with the County Behavioral Health. So 40 of these units will be paid for by County Behavioral Health, and the County Behavioral Health will actually provide two case managers on site to serve those, those 40 folks, uh, in addition to the staffing that we will provide. And just so you know, we, we are staffing this property with nine people, uh, four people that will serve as property managers, either on-site managers who live there or property managers that don't live there. We will also have four caseworkers uh, that we will hire on our staff to serve caseworkers. And our, our caseworker's job is really to make sure they're connected to all the services they have across the county. Um, so we're hiring nine people. We have two jobs that are op open right now. So if you know anybody that's interested in wanting this exciting opportunity to help us realize the dream of Valentine Road, uh, please see our website. They're open till the end of the month. Next slide. 
Um, just to give you a sense, we're doing this in two phases. So the first phase is really driven by the home key money uh, and the money that we're getting from the county and, and thank you from the city uh, so that we can do the first round of renovations to be able to get people in as quickly as possible. As I mentioned, uh, Kyler worked until the wee hours of the morning to file our tax credit application. Uh, once that funding is com comes in, we believe we'll, we'll, we'll be very competitive and that additional funding will come in later this summer. Uh, we'll do the second phase, but the first phase really is adding basic fridge, microwaves, making the units livable for somebody who's not staying there as a hotel guest, uh, making some ADA upgrades so the units are accessible, and security, adding security fencing and, and, the, and the like around the property, and then creating some office space so those staff that we're hiring can be at the property. We believe that's really important. Next slide. Uh, then the second phase is really making the units fully uh, renovated with kitchenettes that will have uh, 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 you know, apartment-sized refrigerator, cooking facilities, refrigerator, storage, and the like, and, and, and then uh, hard surface flooring, going to an all-electric building, um, and really improving some amenities in the parking lot, adding a basketball court, a uh, place for pets to relieve themselves. Uh, honestly, we had a big conversation about that just uh, this morning, um, but really a place where the place will be a bike parking and really be a place that people will live. We are uh, removing the pool. There'll be no lap pool in, in, this, in this property, uh, but where the pool is now will be a really great uh, place for people to gather as a courtyard. Uh, next slide. Um, so this is what's called a capital stack. This is all the money that we're working on. I'm not going to go through this in detail, but I just want you to see the amount of funding that's necessary to make a project like this happen. I want to draw particular attention to the city. I know you have an agenda item later tonight. We'll be here for that as well. Uh, we're hopeful that you'll approve that additional funding to keep this project uh, on track. Uh, but you can see the sources of funding that are necessary to deliver this project to the community. And you can also, when you see the uh, COSR, I always have to cut Karen giving me my, my cheat sheet. That's Capitalized Operating Subsidy Reserve. So we're, we're really careful to plan for the future, plan that we always have a reserve in place so that this project will be uh, sustainable for at least the 15 years, uh, that, uh, which is the initial plan, planning window. Uh, next slide. Um, and I just want to, again, recognize our partners. Bless you. Um, obviously, Adventure PD from the city and community development. I see our staff in the front row with us. This is a really great partnership. Uh, I had a great meeting today with our, your, your interim community development director, and I have to say I was really pleased with the partnership there. So I'm looking forward to working closely with Rachel and her team. Uh, but we have lots of county partners beyond behavioral health. Uh, all the folks that will live in this property will be referred to this property through the county's continuum of care. So the COC is a very critical partner for us uh, and all the other partners as well. The state clearly is a partner. Um, and uh, we also are continuing to look for other sustainable funding as we go forward. We really rely on our nonprofit partners to be with us every step of the way. They provide a lot of resources that we can't do in-house and they'll be uh, in this project as well. Uh, next slide. That concludes my update on Valentine Road. Happy to answer any questions. If you give me a tough one, I'm gonna call uh, Karen Flock up to the, the podium. But thank you very much for listening. Uh, Council, any questions for Mr. Lambert? Well, it's just timely, Mr. Lambert. Thanks for, it was nice to see the capital stack. Um, <laughs> it, it's a heck of an investment, but this, this is gonna be, this could change, help us change the city and uh, reach out to and help a lot more people. Thank you. I, I hope that we'll start moving people in this summer um, and try to be completely occupied by the end of the calendar year.
Thank you very much. Sure. Uh, the next special presentation is on Black History Month proclamation. Um, February marks a significant moment in our nation's calendar as we come together to celebrate Black History Month. It is a time to honor the spirit, resilience, and contributions of African Americans throughout history. In reflecting on the rich tapestry of our past, we acknowledge the struggles and triumphs that have shaped our society. From the courageous activists who fought for civil rights to the innovators and artists who have transformed our culture, the legacy of African Americans is woven into the fabric of our nation. But let us also remember that our work is far from over. As we celebrate the achievements of the past, we must also confront the challenges of the present. We must continue to dismantle systemic racism and work tirelessly to build a more inclusive and equitable society for all. Together, let us reaffirm our commitment to justice, equality, and opportunity for every individual, regardless of race, gender, or background. Let us celebrate the diversity that strengthens our communities and embrace the promise of a brighter future for all. Now, therefore, I, Joe Schrader, Mayor of the City of San Buenaventura, and on behalf of the entire City Council, do hereby proclaim February 2024 as Black History Month. I'd now like to invite Vincent Stewart from the NAACP Ventura County Branch to accept the proclamation and to share a few remarks. Ah, thank you so much for that, Mayor Schroeder and members of the Ventura City Council. Thank you for that. Um, I just want to say something real quick to uh, Jeff Lambert. I remember when you were at Oxnard, and I'm still a uh, planning commissioner, and I sit on uh, the city of uh, Oxnard's Housing Authority's nonprofit board. So we deal with public housing. So it was a wonderful presentation. I see some things that I could steal. <laughs> All right. So I just want to again thank you on behalf of the NAACP uh, for this proclamation. I think, Mayor, you've said it all. Uh, those are the things that, you know, I was going to come up here with uh, a long list of the achievements of African Americans, black Americans to this society. Uh, but we can Google that today. And, you know, I think, as you said, uh, I just want to hit the point that, you know, when I came into corporate America, we had to pay our dues. And so I believe that black Americans have paid our dues, and now it's time for us to have a seat at the table. And so just want to say again, thank you for the honor uh, on the behalf of the Ventura County branch of the NAACP. Thanks for that closed session report, Mr. Heglin. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. We did have closed session tonight beginning at four o'clock. We um, had five items on the agenda. We were able to complete two of those. Uh, the remainder of those will be heard after the meeting. We heard, um, uh, we discussed item number one. There's no reportable action on item number five. 
involves a threat of litigation from two groups. Uh, one is Open Main Street, the other one is uh, Irelex Investments Incorporated. Uh, essentially, those two entities allege that the Main Street Moves was, was closed, um, was, was maintained closed in violation of the law, and um, we discussed that tonight in closed session, and uh, I'm sorry, and the, the, um, the two groups demanded that, that Main Street Moves be reopened, or they were going to file a lawsuit. Uh, by 7-0 vote, the council elected to reject that offer. Thank you. Thank you, um, City Attorney. And now we'll move on to City Council communications. Council Member Johnson. Thank you. If the clerk could please pull up my slides. Thank you. So, uh, got a lot of community events going on in the next few weeks. Sunday, February 18th, 6 p.m., join me for dinner at Eddie's Grill at Telegraph and Day. I, I will point something out. I, I had some different venues, but it looks like we may be getting another five inches around this time. So I tried to find places where we'd definitely be sitting inside. And then, so, so don't bring your dog. I won't bring, be bringing Daisy to these things so we can sit inside. So Sunday, the, the 18th, 6 p.m., dinner at Eddie's Grill. Uh, Friday, February 23rd, 9 a.m., breakfast at Hill Street Cafe. On Wednesday, February 28th at 7 p.m., the College Area Community Council will be holding its, and its monthly meeting. The agenda and Zoom link are available at caccventura.com. And on Thursday, February 29th at 6 p.m., Rincon Brewery at the corner of Telegraph and Ashwood. Can we go to my next slide, please? So I, I wanted to quickly run through some of the things going on with my external assignments. The first, you know, I brought this up at our goal setting meeting, but I appreciate not every member of the public was at our goal setting meeting. But um, it did, this did come up at our, at our council goal setting meeting. We had a meeting of the school liaison committee two weeks ago, and this is with the college and the school district in the city. And we had a long discussion about shared use of city district and college facilities. It's more than just you know whether or not residents could use the uh, playgrounds at the schools, but also you know could what is what is the agreement going to be for the the school district to use the city pool at Kimball or what would the college and the college using it? So so we were looking at all of those things, and we did talk about this at the goal setting meeting as well. I wanted to point out something that we're very worried about at the Ventura Council of Governments, and that is that the, govern the governor's proposed budget cuts in half from $600 million to $300 million, the, the REAP 2.0 grant funding. And I, I'm sure our representative from SCAG is, is well aware of this. What we're looking at is money that maybe has been granted or allocated that may never be delivered. And we're talking about grants that are for fair housing and active transportation. And so SCAG is in overdrive, um, Ventura Council of Governments is as well, trying to lobby the governor not to claw this money back. At the Ventura County Transportation Committee, I just wanted to give a quick update. The stormwater drainage on the 101, uh, as I'm sure everybody knows, during the last big storm, people had to get drive on the shoulder to get past it. It is a $4 million project, and it should be completed by this summer. And then at Gold Coast Transit, I just wanted to mention one, this is your last opportunity to participate 
in our survey over potential fare increases. Uh, and, and Mayor, I would ask tonight, you know, when, when we had our, our goal setting meeting, we had a lot of residents from Via Ventura. And somebody who was not there, who would have been there, who should have been there, was Tamara Murphy. And, and Ms. Murphy, um, she was a big part of that tenants committee. Mr. Ayub, you may remember her from when we met them all in September at the park. Um, she was, I, I would say she was an idealist. She really believed in the best of everybody. And, uh, and she passed away. And so I ask, uh, Mayor, that tonight we adjourn in the memory of Tamara Murphy. Thank you, Mayor. And Mr. Duran. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I just want to take a brief moment to uh, let everybody know that uh, 35 years ago on Sunday, we celebrated our, our anniversary, my wife and I, and tonight is actually her birthday, and I just wanted to wish her a happy birthday because I couldn't be with her tonight. So happy birthday to Pam Duran. Thank you. Oh, it's that, that was really clever. I, congratulations. <laughs> the, the night before St. Um, Valentine's Day, you're, you're good. So, uh, Dr. Sanchez Palacios. Oh, I'm sorry, Councilmember Halter. Great. I want to first say uh, uh, happy birthday, Mrs. Duran. And uh, <laughs> um, no, and then uh, in addition, though, I want to mention a lot of things have gone on uh, in the last two weeks since our last meeting. Uh, first is on GPAC. We met two nights in a row. Uh, the first night to talk about parks and open space, and the second night was about environmental justice. So there was a good conversation on both um, both fronts and with um, plenty of people in attendance. In addition, what Councilmember Johnson had said as well in his report that we also discussed the uh, possibility of joint using uh, school district and college district uh, fields for the uh, open to the public. So um, wanted to mention that. Let's see. We had our goal setting or goal, goal planning session, which I personally thought was very well run, and I think it was pretty well attended as well. But I found it extremely enjoyable. Um, there's a couple of things I recommend in the future, but for the most part, it was extremely well done. Um, the music festival. I wanted to mention that we have a new executive director for the music festival, Lolly Welsh, and she led the first uh, retreat that we've had in some time, and uh, it was. Uh, Extremely exciting what the future of the music festival is going to be for the for the city and for the region of Ventura So and so if you see Lolly Welsh think of lollipop. That's the easiest way for me to pronounce <laughs> remember her how you say her name uh, Be sure to say hi to her. She's quite a vivacious uh, live wire and great addition to our community uh, I also want to mention that there is a, a Grand opening of a new business at 2415 East Main Street Pilates lab and that was done by Casey Barbero and uh, Shannon Barbero, who uh, opened upstairs uh, almost directly across from the chamber. And last but not least, of course, is I'll also like to, uh, in tonight's meeting, in honor of a longtime Ventura, uh, and that's Ralph Harrison of Harrison uh, Industries and one of the three brothers that run Harrison Industries. Um, um, extremely instrumental in so many things that we enjoy here in Ventura and that has been set up for the future of the city from a sustainability standpoint. So I want to make sure we end in honor of, of him. Thank you. Dr. Sanchez Palacios. Thank you. 
Uh, Councilmember Duran, happy birthday to Mrs. Duran. My husband and I will be celebrating 27 years tomorrow, so happy, uh, happy birthday, happy anniversary to my Valentine. Um, I wanted to just share some uh, a report back on our council meet and greet that uh, Councilmember McReynolds and I held on Saturday. Um, thank you to residents who stopped by to say hello and um, share their concerns, but also their satisfactions um, with us and the city. It, it was great to, to have a nice conversation on a beautiful Saturday uh, morning. Um, I wanted to also share some good news regarding our city staff. Um, first, I want to welcome Garrett Manukian as uh, the newest lateral firefighter paramedic to our department. Welcome. I wanted to congratulate fire engine Max Palmer on celebrating five years with the department and as well as firefighter paramedic Brian Howard on his 10-year service um, award with us. And I know staff has been working diligently and very hard during these most recent storms um, and it looks like we'll be having more rain coming soon. But I just wanted to say thank you uh, for the tenacity in dealing with you know, flooding, river rescues, um, and everything else that comes with uh, rainy days and natural occurrences. Um, I know that our Parks and Rec team received uh, recognition by one of our residents as well who uses Kimball Park. Um, and that person was very impressed by the proactive cleanup work that's been taking place between the two rainstorms, so thank you for that. Um, and lastly, on Saturday, February 3rd, our lifeguard at the Ventura Aquatic Center swiftly responded to assist a distressed lapsed swimmer. Um, after assessing the situation, they promptly called 911, provided the adequate care, um, and the individual was transported to a local hospital. So thank you to the vigilant lifeguard that was on staff for their quick and effective response. And um, just an overall thank you to staff for all the work that they do to make our city special, um, to live, work, and play here. So, thank you. Councilmember Campos. Good, okay. So, since I was reminded, um, February 14th is also a significant birthday in my home. It's the 16th birthday of my dog who's healthy and happy, so I'm glad he's celebrating your wife's birthday and your anniversary. Um, happy anniversary, by the way. Um, today I attended a meeting of the Air Pollution Control District for um, Ventura County. And our Air Pollution Control District, about 18 years ago, began pushing a project to slow down all the shipping lanes along the Ventura coast and succeeded in getting a lot of cooperation from shippers, joined with Santa Barbara County and San Luis Obispo. And now the slowdown of shipping lanes, which reduces whale strikes and keeps our air coming off the coast clean, runs all the way from Long Beach to north of the Bay Area. And so the state has given an award to our air pollution control district because of their effort in, in that regard. I wanted to mention that here. We heard about that today. Um, and I think that's all I have to say tonight. Thank you. Councilmember McReynolds. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I want to start by thanking the Ventura County legal community. The Ventura County Office of Education hosted their annual mock trial competition 
on Fe uh, Saturday, February 3rd and the 4th, and over 200 attorneys and judges volunteered their weekends to score 40 high school teams from throughout Ventura County. Um, it sounds like all of them to me, but uh, it, was a, it was a great competition. My youngest son competed in it, and uh, I just want to thank the legal community for showing up and uh, supporting that, that competition. Uh, the East Ventura Community Council is meeting this Thursday, February 15th at 7 p.m. via Zoom. Uh, their guest speaker will be uh, discussing ranked choice of voting. So if you're interested in that, um, and then uh, I want to also thank the citizens of Ventura. Uh, I am taking the CERT, which is the Citizens Emergency Response Team course offered by the police and fire departments. Uh, we, they only have room for 40, they told me, and they had over 100 people apply to take the course to step up in the event of a natural disaster. So it's just great to hear. Uh, obviously, if we can expand that, uh, we've got the people willing and wanting to do that. And then uh, finally, on, after our meet and greet on Saturday, uh, Deputy Mayor and I attended the uh, ribbon cutting for Greg's Rents. Uh, they're a new rental company on Telegraph, and uh, I wish them uh, well, well in the city of Ventura. Thank you. Uh, my final comment is I wanted to thank uh, members of the city council. While we don't always agree on everything, I, don't, I thought the way we discussed our goals was probably us at our best, and I wanted to thank everybody for bringing their A game. Um, I, I thought we were, I thought we were really good. Mr. City Manager. Thank you, Mayor, uh, members of the City Council, and good evening, everyone. The City of Ventura remains steadfast in its commitment to supporting our local social services, arts, and cultural nonprofit groups who serve the diverse needs of Ventura's residents. I'm pleased to announce that our Parks and Recreation Department is now accepting applications for two long-standing grant programs that date back to the 1990s. The Community Partnerships Granting Program offers $140,000 to support social and environmental organizations, while the Cultural Funding Grant provides $90,000 to arts and cultural programs. Applications for both grants are due by Tuesday, February 27th, for more information and to apply, please visit the city's website. I also want to take a moment to extend our heartfelt gratitude to the dedicated city staff across all departments who have responded tirelessly to the recent storm events. From promptly addressing public safety calls for service to efficiently clearing large rocks and debris from our roadways and drains, our staff have worked hard to ensure the safety and well-being of our community. Uh, you may have heard something about potholes or seen them somewhere around town. Recent um, storm events um, have raised many questions about the city's response to potholes on our streets. The recent rainfall has resulted in numerous potholes presenting a challenge for our community. I want to assure you that our streets maintenance team often works at all hours and on the weekends to fill as many potholes as possible once the road dries. We understand the inconvenience potholes can cause and are committed to promptly addressing those. Please call our pothole hotline at 805-652-4590 anytime to report a pothole. You can also visit the city's website, and there's a, a small picture of it in the upper right-hand corner of the slide that has an interactive pothole map. And that was launched in 2023 to improve transparency and communication regarding pothole repairs in our community. And as you can see from the green dots on the, on the map, uh, we have quite a few potholes that uh, have been filled and repaired around town. 
Our next city council meeting is Tuesday, February 27th. I have an important notice that our March 12th meeting is canceled and will be rescheduled shortly. That's our March 12th meeting. Subsequent meetings are March 19th and March 26th. That concludes my remarks, Mayor. Thank you. Thank you much, Mr. City Manager. Public communications. Public communications is the portion of council meetings set aside for members of the public to address city council on items of any business other than scheduled agenda items. Per the Brown Act, the city council is restricted from discussing, deliberating, or voting on any matter raised during public communications. If you have any thoughts to share during public comment, please take a moment to submit your speaker card now, as all speaker cards should be submitted at this time. Mr. City Clerk, how many speakers do we have? Thank you, Mr. Mayor. We currently have seven uh, public comments, uh, speaker cards submitted. Our first speaker this evening is Casey Rodriguez, followed by Narvanica. Each speaker will have three minutes. Tonight, I speak for myself. I wanted to come tonight to give our city a blessing of love in honor of tomorrow, but knowing the crappy day one of our council members had in trying to attend today's meetings, I am embarrassed and sad that the city councilor is aware of the hardships that this councilwoman has in attending the new change closed and public meetings due to the fact of a city obligation you all elected her to. Today, she barely arrived on time for this public meeting when she scheduled a pickup at the government center at 2.30. It's shameful that the majority of this council seemed to take more concern in city workers and their personal sleep rather than their fellow elected council members by advocating a 5 p.m. meeting. Not only does this change seem to silence this woman, but it also silences the voices of District 1. Believe me. There's nobody else who knows the District 1 voices better than her, and that's why I, as a District 1 child, worked so hard to get her to the dais. Since the city chose to make this time change, knowing of her previous engagement, shouldn't the city fund transportation for her? How can we be so heartless and not see this simple need and not come up with a solution as soon as possible? I have personally seen multiple times these buses pick her up hours late, and not to mention the financial burden it takes. Not all of us are rich, nor should we have to be to be shown simple respect. It's cute to have large hearts over our city to take photos of for art and social media purposes, but I, for one, am not looking for photo ops. I'm looking for genuine moments full of sincere love. It's clear on a daily basis how badly this world is lacking love currently, and for us to improve the morality around the world, it must start with expressing genuine love to one another in this city. Tuesday 5 p.m. meetings simply do not work and needs to be changed. I personally lastly like to end my public comment in honoring Black History Month in remembrance of Mr. Harry Belafonte. As an active team member of his international organization, The Gathering for Justice, I ask everyone to honor this month by learning of the amazing things Mr. Belafonte accomplished and the amazing things The Gathering for Justice still does under the leadership of Carmen Perez Jordan. And just a reminder, we are, three more, we are three months away from Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Thank you. Nirvanika, followed by Michael M., followed by Mark Sirota.
Good evening. Peace and love to everyone and everything everywhere. And I would like to wish a happy birthday to Liz's pub. It's only appropriate. Arf, arf. Okay. So I'd like to speak tonight about a couple of issues in the past that I've spoke on. And uh, one issue is the um, ordinance about people selling roses and flying signs. I don't think it's a good idea to put these people out of work. And what I'd like to say about that is, I think that's just gonna raise the crime rate in Ventura. So consider that. And I'd also like to speak about the uh, oversized vehicle ordinance. Um, you know, <clears throat> you would think that you would be able to find or appoint a place for us to park during these hours. And maybe even a place that has hookups for these people that, that need them. Me, I go to my gym, I don't need that. Um, and I'd like to bring up emissions. It's just gonna raise emissions. It's gonna cause people to have to drive more. And um, I think that's gonna be a problem. Um, we should think about that. Should have thought about that when we passed it. Okay, so, so now, kind of having a deja vu, vu moment right now. I feel like I'm in Disneyland. And when you're in Disneyland, you have to ask the question, what kind of Mickey Mouse operation are y'all running around here anyhow? You just have to ask that question, right? Because I'm kind of goofy. And I'm feeling kind of goofy tonight. So I'd like to end what I got to say. And by the way, Ms. Campos, we've been praying for you. Hope you get you better. I know you was in the hospital. We're praying for you. And so I'd like to end it with this statement. Because I wrote a song, and it goes like this. What goeth around cometh right back at the round to biteth thee in the booty. I heard somebody laugh. Thank you. Michael M., followed by Mark Sirota, followed by Carol Spector. That's, I think that's... Hey, good evening. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Michael Malik. I'm candidate for judge office number four in the Superior Court of Ventura County. And I come not to tell you I can rule anyway on any particular subject. I can't, but I come with a consideration. We're on a, a cusp of a, a great communications revolution. We hear the words uh, AI, artificial intelligence, and strikes fear in people's hearts. I, I guess some think they'll be naked on the internet. Others think it's going to, their toasters are going to rule their lives. And it, it's an opportunity, I think, at this time, if we really embraced the technology and looked at it, because it's not leaving us, we could integrate better with the courts, uh, with government, with law enforcement, and I think it's uh, 
long-term planning uh, and education process will benefit everyone in terms of making intelligence more available to the broader cross-section. And got one other point I'd like to make, and that's accessibility of justice. Um, I do most of my, well, I shouldn't say most, but I do more pro bono work than I do for profit work, much to my wife's chagrin. But uh, there's a great need, I think, in the middle classes in particular, where legal services are so expensive that you can't really afford a lawyer to go to court. You have a, it's a small matter, and it isn't worth the attorney's time. You know, I don't take anything less than 50000 100000 I, I can't make enough money. Uh, I think if we had something similar to what they do in England, they can go on, individuals can go online and you can use in your own words, you can make a complaint and you can send that off and the court then serves the uh, defendant and the defendant answers and sometimes within a week you have an answer. And of course you can appeal, which preserves your process, but imagine how much money could be saved, no small claims courts, I mean it would be, uh, it would be remarkable. The shortage of judges could be alleviated to a certain degree, and I, I think it's a, it's a time for that to come. So I thank you for letting me uh, address you. I uh, am kind of new here for, for the last five years. Uh, we came here so my adopted daughter, who's five now, uh, will have a better life and a cleaner and more beautiful environment, and it certainly has proven to be that, and I thank all of you for your contributions to that. Mark Sirota, followed by Carol Spector. Followed by Jan Dietrich. Good evening, Mayor, Council Members, City Manager, and City Attorney. I'd like to say a few words tonight about the recent goal-setting meeting. In particular, I want to focus on the discussion on climate change. And let me start off by applauding every one of you for the time you spent on this important issue. I'd like to share Council Members McReynolds' comment, quote, it's a toss-up in my opinion, on what is, larger, what is the larger issue of our generation in terms of homeless, homelessness or climate change. They're both tremendous issues that both deserve equal response. I can't agree more. I'm not focusing on climate change because I think it's more important than homelessness, but rather it's just because I have a deep affinity for nature and have some experience dealing with large, complex challenges. The goal meeting discussion also illustrated how challenging it, challenging it will be to get our collective heads around this issue to make efficient progress. The discussion ranged from erosion of the pier and promenade, electrification and decarbonization, excuse me, effects on the homeless, important organization issues, overlapping scope with existing city programs, and of course budget, and the list goes on. It's a daunting challenge, but one I think we can and must meet for the sake of future generations. Before I proceed, I'm aware, I'm aware that many of you know more than I do about what I'm about to say, so please don't take any insult or any offense. I like to decompose big projects into smaller tractical pieces that help provide structure. At a very high and simplistic level, the goal meeting discussion on climate change could be broken into four very big buckets. I like to call the first bucket, what is it we want to do and what do we want to achieve? It sounds easy, but to do this comprehensively, we need to determine in some deal the myriad ways in which climate change will affect our community today and tomorrow. We need to work through which ones are within our reach to address, which we can do with partners, federal, state, local, including nonprofits such as Patagonia and Surfrider, and which are beyond us. 
Then we can work through what we, what we want to do and achieve. Good planning is necessary for an effort that will go on long after our personal involvement. I encourage this council not to hurry and make premature decisions that we will regret later. We can't think in terms of one, two, or even three-year goals. This is an ultra-marathon. The first bucket allows informed decisions on the second bucket, addressing complex organizational issues. My point is I don't know how you do the second bucket, bucket without addressing the first. I'll skip over the third and fourth for time considerations. As I said at the goal meeting, I encourage the council to institute a committee similar to GPAC made up of council members, staff members, volunteers from environmental nonprofits and citizens who help guide this process. I think these constituents can provide significant value. Lastly, thank you for thank making you. climate change our priority and happy birthday, Mrs. Durant. Thank you. Carol Spector, Jan Dietrich, followed by our final speaker, Ron Whitehurst. Um, I'm here tonight because I think this issue needs to be said out loud and on the record. Um, at the end of the very long uh, goal-setting session on February 3rd, um, and thank you for putting the time in. I would have been there, but I was throwing my niece a bridal shower that day. Um, a comment was made, and this is not to point fingers, by Council Member McReynolds, and that is very concerning. At minute 5.3311, Council Mc McReynolds, in reference to the beach parking structure and surrounding area at the harbor in California, said, we are doing it as part of the general plan. We're upping the zoning. I know, I believe, I know this is an incorrect statement. At the disputed city council meeting on October 23rd, the only mention of upzoning this area was a motion to expend city resources to investigate creating a height overlay to modify existing zoning. Uh, Mr. McReynolds made that motion at 2.3846. There was no agreement to upzone. To remind you, at prior meetings, GPAC and the Planning Commission recommendation was to label the same area at the harbor structure as commercial tourist-oriented, which is designated at three stories. Please don't assume that what was said is what was, is going to happen and act on that, okay? Nothing was decided to upzone that area. It is so important to people who live here I've heard vehement opposition to a 12-story structure, and that 12 stories was mentioned on October 23rd as matching the height of the Crown Plaza, which I believe is that high. So um, that's all I'm here. I want it on the record. There was no decision to upzone, and so please don't keep going under that uh, disputed fact. Thank you. Jan Dietrich, followed by our final speaker, Ron Whitehurst. It's Jan Dietrich, and I'm coming tonight also to express my concern about uh, climate change, and especially pointing to the recently accelerating warming uh, beginning last May. That's uh, illustrated on the, the graph that um, Mike is passing around. It's um, the line jumps out from the whole group of lines starting in May, and then it jumps again in September. Media has not made clear how warming has sped up, or that officially we've increased by one and a half degrees, which is the tipping point 
uh, scientists agree is associated with severe irreversible consequences. I commend um, the earlier suggestion of a commenter for a council climate committee. And also, I, I think that the division of sustainability should be our biggest department. Uh, we commented six years ago on the Energy Action Plan and then the GPAC and discussing the CARP and the common understanding was that we had several more years. That The data shows now, as you can see, that those years of opportunity vanished in the last several months. The IPCC indicates the need for drawdown. This is not talking about emissions reduction. We're talking about pulling... 25 gigatons of, of CO2 out of the atmosphere at 50 gigatons per year for the next, uh, until 2050. And we're only drawing down right now globally at less than one gigaton. This requires new conversations, completely new conversations toward comprehensive and collaborative action with every local government. Uh, and, and, their, and the businesses and the uh, community people. Um, I'll, I'll, so begin with uh, 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 immediately with a REACH code plan to cut emissions, decarbonize, and uh, talk energy conservation. Work with the tree planting groups for amb ambitious urban forestry. Ask the chamber and the oil companies, how can you help them cut emissions and expand carbon storage, carbon capture and storage. Ask VCTC to do what it takes to increase bus use. These are just ideas. Promote opting up to 100% green with Clean Power Alliance. Please wake up every morning looking for an inspiration for how you can be stronger leaders. And I also ask you to commit to accommodation for our councilwoman Liz Compost to attend all council meetings. Thank you. And our final speaker, Ron Whitehurst. My name's Ron Whitehurst. Um, my wife and I run a small business to mill the Ventura oil field. For us, getting off of fossil fuels is personal. So uh, in the goal setting exercise, uh, there were some sediments that seemed to be um, questioning uh, climate change. So my wife spoke to those who accept climate change. For those who don't, I uh, would like to speak to you that every day that those oil pumpers pump oil out of the ground, they're emitting um, BTEX materials, benzene, ethyl benzene, toluene, xylene, things that, that um, give people cancer, cause asthma, and that sort of thing. They use uh, herbicides to keep the around the oil wells uh, clear of weeds for fire prevention. And when the um, dry uh, winds come up, that um, herbicide-laden dust, you know, irritates our lungs. So then uh, that oil is used in our cars and trucks and such. And so those who live near uh, busy intersections, uh, especially kids, have asthma from that. So, and then the diesel trucks then put out lots of the PM 2.5, which are tiny particles of soot that cross the blood-brain barrier. And so those make people sick. So on a day-by-day -day basis, our commitment to fossil fuels is degrading the health of our community. So we need to 
move towards electrifying everything. We now have 100% uh, clean power available from Clean Power Alliance, so that when with the um, electricity, it's not causing problems someplace else down the road. So we can do this. We can reestablish you know, urban forestry and take care of the soils in our parks and our landscaping around our public buildings so that when it rains, the soil, the rainwater soaks into the soil and it's used to grow plants that pull the carbon dioxide out of the air and the life in the soil then contributes to this carbon sequestration. So we have the tools we need. We have know what we need to do. So we need to focus on getting off of these fossil fuels and drawing down the carbon dioxide and the toxins from the air. And so we can have a healthy, healthy environment. We've got the technology to recreate a paradise on Earth. So let's, let's get on with it. Thank you. That concludes our speakers for public communications. Mr. City Manager, any responses? I have no comments, Mr. Mayor, thank you. On to consent items. There are seven consent items on our agenda tonight for consideration. Are there any questions, comments, requests uh, for an item to be pulled? Mr. Johnson? Thank you, Mayor. I request that we pull item number four, and I have comments on five, six, and seven. Thank you. Anybody else? Uh, Mr. City Clerk, do we have any public comments? Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. We do have uh, one speaker card submitted for item number seven. And that's uh, Mr. Bert Handy. I don't see Mr. Handy in the room. Oh, there he is. Come on up. You'll have three minutes. Item number seven. Good evening, Mayor, Deputy Mayor, staff, and public. Next slide, please. I believe interiors should include a raw water well at the interim fire station number seven, which is located at Casitas, in the Casitas Water District. Next slide, please. United Water charges $220.95 per acre foot for extraction fee for water ext extracted. Casitas does not charge any water for an extraction fee. Mound Basin charges $97. United District and Mound Basin charge a total of $327.95 for each acre foot of water taken out of the aquifers. Casitas and Mound combined extraction fees total $97. Next slide, please. Located at the proposed site of fire station number seven between the years of 1948 and 1962, was a water well which produced water and was used in the city of Ventura as a potable water system. The left picture is from 1946, shows the area of the well, and the right picture is from 1962. You can see the difference of where, see where it goes down. Next slide, please. Particle tracking suggests seawater has moved an average of one half mile from the outcrop towards the shore in the Wainimi Aquifer in the last during the past 100 years. In the Magoo Aquifer, 
The model suggests seawater has not encroached the Magoo Aquifer in the outcrop in the last 100 years. Next slide, please. The outcrop from Ventura is approximately 10 miles wide. Wynamian Magoo Aquifers extend about 10 miles into the Pacific Ocean in the outcrop. As you can see in this map, you've got the, the small area in the box that shows the area indicated in the larger picture and shows it's 10 miles off the coast, directly away from the estuary and the harbor area. Next slide, please. The proposed fire station is located 2.5 miles from the proposed advanced water treatment facility. Next slide, please. It is my opinion a water well should be part of the design of the interim fire station, which could provide raw water to the fire station, the advanced water treatment facility to be treated and blended with raw water from the golf course wells, along with providing raw water to the public. If Ventura Water and City believe this would benefit, I believe Ventura Water and the City, this would benefit the residents of Ventura. Thank you. Mr. Mayor, that concludes public comment on consent items. Under questions, uh, Councilmember Johnson, please. Thank you. Just some very brief comments on, on number five. Five is the General Services Agreement, Third Amendment with Woods Maintenance Services for the cleanup of homeless encampments. I, I just wanted to thank in particular staff for the staff report, including the whole background of this and going back to the first contract. Uh, that is something I have specifically requested, and, and I'm really happy to see it. Um, on number six, number six, my comments are a little more complicated. This is the transmission of the fiscal year 2024 second quarter financial update, and I really appreciate seeing it. I, I look forward to the budgeting process. I know we're going to be talking about it later tonight. Uh, I just want to draw everybody's attention <coughs> to what happens and what often happens with Measure O. You can see it in the staff report that what happens is money gets allocated by Measure O and then does not get spent. And it, and it becomes this whole issue where then money rolls over and then more money isn't spent. And it, it gets to a concern of, uh, it's one thing for the Measure Oversight Committee to have input on how the money is allocated, but we also need to make sure we have some oversight on how the money is spent. And if we have millions and millions of dollars that were allocated for CIP projects, in this case, I think $5.5 million, I just wanna make sure that at least the Measure O Committee uh, gets an explanation for why those things were not done at the time frame. And then on number seven, um, first, you know, I, I have to agree, I think that Mr. Handy brings up an intriguing idea that was a site for a well. I, I would like to hear at some point from Ventura Water on why that well is no longer in operation. Um, I know there's long been talk about whether there is essentially an untapped aquifer in that area. Um, but, but I just wanted to, uh, again, commend staff I note that this is one that it's, it's for a contract of $58,500, and uh, it's below the $60,000 threshold, and I wanted to thank staff for bringing it to city council regardless, just conceding that in all probability it will be more than $60,000. That is something I have requested in the past of staff, and I again thank staff for doing that. And with that, Mayor, I would move the consent calendar items one, two, three, five, six, and seven. Do I have a second? Second. So I would, um, I think Ms. Dorrington got up. Uh, Ms. Dorrington, are you prepared tonight to talk a little bit about the Alessandro well? 
Uh, yes, I am. Thank you, Gina Dorrington, General Manager of Ventura Water. Um, that well site was long ago abandoned and it used its, uh, lived its useful life. Um, the, de the development, I'm sorry. Ms. Dorrington, we're having a hard time. Okay. The development of the Mound Basin, which is where that well does exist, um, is being held over on the east end of Ventura. Uh, long ago, the city made a policy to move wells off of the shoreline, off of, off of the ocean uh, influence to um, help not further uh, implement any sort of um, saltwater intrusion. So right now, our well development is at the east end of Ventura for that basin. Okay. Thank you very much. Any other questions on items two, three, five, six, seven? Vote, please. Okay, we do have a motion and a second on the consent items excluding item number four. Go ahead and enter your vote now. All votes have now been entered. Seven ayes, and the motion carries. Thank you much on the consent item number four, professional service agreement with County Ventura Human Services Agency. Councilmember Johnson. Thank you, Mayor. I'm pulling this more for form's sake. I, I intend to support it, but I do have some questions. I want to make sure we have, have some explanation. I believe Ms. Diamond is here. She, she knows really what my questions are going to be. So, so thank you for being here, Ms. Diamond. My first question, in the staff report, it talks, of, it says that this, and for those who are curious, this is professional services agreement with the County of Ventura Human Services Agency for Street Outreach Services. Uh, this is funding a position uh, that, for somebody that does outreach to our homeless residents to make sure they get services. And we've had this for a number of years in cooperation with the county. So in the staff report, it refers, it says that we need to do this, that our current professional services agreement with the county's human services agency expired on January 31st, 2024. Could I, could I please get some clarification because um, the, the, the action taken by council in March of 2021 was to extend it through June 30th of, of this year. That's correct. Thank you, council member. So basically the contract was extended in time only. And at this point we're extending it for time and for the actual money in, in the contract. So at that time we were extending the time so we could close out that contract. And uh, between then and now it was determined that we wanted to continue with these services in this contract with the county. Thank you. I, I absolutely want to continue with the services. So then as we look at the, the dollars, I'm, I'm curious, um, you know, it, it shows in 2024, $53,000, 2025, 127000 and 2026, 63000 I'm just curious why the 2025 is, is double. Good evening, Honorable Mayor, City Council Members. I'm Leona Rollins, Housing Services Manager. Thank you for your question, Council Member Johnson. So essentially for 2024, that's only funding the contract from January 1st of this year through June 30th. 2025 will be the entire fiscal year and 2026 will be a partial fiscal year from July 1st through December 31st of 2025. Thank you so much. That makes sense. And then my last question on page two of the staff report, it says to avoid a lapse on services, staff are recommending that the city enter into this new PSA to ensure that we have street outreach services through at least December 31st, 2025. Um, so through 2025 would be part of the 
2024-2025 fiscal year. Is that correct if, if, on 20, if the fiscal year 2026 includes six months to take us through the end of 2026? Yes, that is correct. So basically, we are going to be entering those contracts for that period of time. We will be evaluating the contract um, at a later date, given the fact that there may be some adjustments to like staffing costs and expenditures of that particular nature. But yes, it will be funded through that particular time frame through Measure O. Thank you so much. And, and I want to thank you for, for working on continuing this program. I think probably in terms of the dollars we spend, these are some of the best, best dollars that we do spend. And uh, it's been an evolving program. And, and thank you for, for bringing us this renewal tonight. Thank you. Thank you. And with that, Mayor, I would move item number four on the consent. Do I have a second? Second. Any questions? Vote, please. Okay, we have a motion and a second on item four to approve the staff recommendation. Go ahead and enter your vote. Waiting for one more vote to be entered. All votes have now been entered. Seven ayes and the motion carries. Thank you. On to a public hearing item number eight, historic landmark designation request for the Patagonia Blacksmith Shop. Mr. City Clerk, have we met all the noticing requirements? Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Yes, this item has been adequately noticed. So I will open the public hearing to a staff presentation, please. Hi, thank you, Mr. Mayor, members of the City Council. My name is Jared Rosengren. I'm a principal planner in the Community Development Department. Um, tonight we have before you a request for an historic landmark designation for a 660 square foot industrial structure called the Patagonia Blacksmith Shop. It is located at the western terminus of West Santa Clara Street, directly behind the Great Pacific Ironworks building. Mr. Yvonne Chenard moved to Ventura in the late 1960s and started working in the shop for the next decade, where he established the Patagonia Company, which has since evolved into an international billion-dollar company known for its environmental activism, as well as its progressive work culture with over 1,000 employees. The blacksmith shop remains essentially the same as it has been since the late 1960s. The Historic Preservation Committee heard this request at their hearing last October where they voted unanimously to recommend City Council to designate the structure as a landmark. And staff is recommending City Council designate the structure as local historic landmark number 119. Thank you. Council comments and questions. This is kind of an easy one. Uh, to think uh, that Chenard, I think, was a, a teenager when he started that company, he came up from, Bur from Burbank to Ventura. That was a good day for all of Ventura. Um, any comments or questions? Mayor, Mayor, I have comments, but I'd like to wait until after the public hearing is closed. Okay. Public comments, please. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. No public comment received. Back to Mr. Johnson. Thank you. you. Are you closing the public hearing? Where is it at? Um, I'm, I, according to the agenda here, I have to go to council comments and questions before I close the public hearing. Okay. Yeah. Mr. Hagelin? Yeah. If there are no more comments, we should just close the public hearing and then turn it over to the council. Well, doesn't Councilmember Johnson have comments? I think as long as there's no more public comments or no public comments, we should just close the public hearing and then 
and then we'll allow the um, council members to make comments. That okay. is correct, Mr. Mayor. So if there were questions from council, now would be the appropriate time to ask them. If there are no further questions from council, then you can close the comment, uh, public comment, uh, public period, excuse me. Are there any questions from council? Then I'll close the public hearing. Council deliberations and a motion is required. Councilmember Johnson. Thank you, Mayor. I, I just wanted to say we were in Jackson Hole a few years ago, and we were in a shop that has a little museum of mountaineering, and clearly their prized possessions were early Chouinard gear, like crampons, and I, I'm not a mountaineering person, but, you know, all this stuff was behind glass as they looked at this as an important part of the history of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And so with that, you know, I would move staff's recommendation on this item. Do I have a second? Second. Any other deliberations? I think uh, we're ready for a vote. Okay, we do have a motion and a second to approve the staff recommendation. Go ahead and enter your vote. All votes have been entered. Seven ayes and the motion carries. Thank you very much. Um, formal items number nine, approval of the funding plan for the permanent local housing allocation program. Miss um, Diamond is up, I believe, is that correct? And Leona Rollins. And Miss um, Buckingham too. Am I leaving anybody out? Okay. Thank you, Patagonia. <laughs> Thank you. Once again, good evening, Honorable Mayor, City Council members. My name is Leona Rollins, Housing Services Manager for the City. I'd like to take this opportunity to introduce you to one of our new management analysts, Rachel West, as well as my senior management analyst, Jenny Buckingham, who will be leading tonight's presentation. Thank you and good evening. I first wanna say that I am a proud graduate of St. Bonaventure High School. Go, Sarah. <laughs> so tonight I'm going to be taking you through the permanent local housing allocation funding plan. This may sound familiar to you because it came before you a year ago, February of 2023. The permanent local housing allocation is an out outcome of the 2017 Building Homes and Jobs Act, otherwise known as SB2, and it's for the purpose of funding a funding source for addressing unmet housing need and to increase housing supply for lower income families. Funds from $75 recording fees on real estate documents is the source of these funds and they're allocated to the city within which they were uh, recorded. Uh, it is a five-year funding cycle. We're in the fourth year right now, being 2023. Um, and we will have one more allocation. 
So to date, we have uh, the allocations and distribution is shown on this table. Uh, in 2019, 20, and 2021, uh, City Council committed the funds to a permanent supportive housing project in February of last year. You can see the annual allocations and the way that we uh, utilize this is to take 95% for the project and use the 5% for administrative costs. And you've heard about the Valentine Road Apartments project just this evening, so I thank Mr. Lambert for getting all the details out. I'll just be very quick. Uh, this uh, project is being going to be funded by uh, PLHA funds, and it has, as you know, uh, 134 par apartments, services, and kitchenettes, and things like that. So it's very um, all in place at that one location. Staff recommends that you uh, adopt these recommendations, and I am happy to answer any questions. Questions? Yes, Councilmember Halter. Uh, just a question in, in regards to, uh, it looks like uh, the 1.8 million uh, annual allocation represents over 24,000 house transactions. That's where the $75 comes from? That's I can question. tell you that I have not done the math. I just trust the state. Okay. But um, that's probably in the ballpark. I don't know, but yes, we get the full $75. Okay, great. And this is ongoing funding, $75? Just through one more year, five years. And actually, if you, I can take you back to the table. Whoops, sorry. You can see that this, this past year, well, it should have been allocated to us last year, but um, for 2022, it's the lowest uh, mm -hmm. uh, allocation, and that's just because there weren't as many uh, recordings on real estate. And that so was... that it, it's kind of a fluke. Um, it wasn't true across the state, but we were not as lucky. That was uh, exactly where I was going, is this with the higher interest rates, I imagine that this funding will continue to get, I don't, I, I don't believe I'm not a real estate expert, but I thought sales were pretty far off and just now starting to come back. Thank you. Councilmember McReynolds. Uh, yeah, just a quick question on the kitchenettes. Uh, those are going to be all electric, what I think I saw. That would be a question for probably Karen Flock. Yes, that's a yes. Okay. And then the laundry? That it's on site. I Is it electric? Yeah. Yes. Outstanding. Thank you know, the Housing Authority does all electric projects. I'm sure you're aware of that. No, it's, it's a great example for all of us. Yeah. Thank you. Other questions? If not, I'll go to public comments, please. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. No public comment received on item number nine. Okay, back to us for final deliberation. A motion is required. Go for it, Mr. Halter. Yeah. Just um, in regards, just for education's sake, is um, um, on the permanent, um, permanent housing, uh, permanent local housing allocation, is there, um, is there a certain number of people that are unhoused right now that would be part of that number in this new location? Or is it just freeing up space for in transitional housing for those people to come into? 
Yes, um, thank you so much for your um, question, um, Councilmember Halter. So as Mr. Lambert explained earlier, essentially this project is gonna be for those at risk of homelessness, currently experiencing homelessness, and those that are chronically homeless. So as those individuals transition into the program, um, the goal ultimately is for them to have the longevity of having the housing and supportive services with the goal that eventually they'll transition out. Um, and it wants, so basically we're trying to create a pipeline. We're trying to be a pipeline from unsheltered homelessness into interim sheltering options into permanent supportive ho um, housing. Um, and so basically we're just trying to free up as many spaces as we can to create that pipeline so that we can continue to see decreases in our homeless population. Excellent, thank you very much. I'll move uh, staff's recommendation. I have a motion to accept staff's recommendation. Do I have a second? Second. Second. We have comments from Councilmember Johnson. Thank you. I, I wanted to thank our staff, and I also want to thank the Housing Authority on this, and, and also the prior council. Um, it really was council's direction to make sure that this happened. That's how that Hallmark money got funded in the first place, was through council really insisting on it. And um, it, uh, it, I'm very proud of what this, this council has been able to do with this project. And. Uh, you know, you look at, it's, it's a very ambitious project, but we have, a, we have teams here that work together and never stopped, and this is going to be a reality, and it's gonna make a difference in the lives of so many people. So thank you. Thank you, staff. Mr. Lambert and your team as well. Thank you. Time for a vote. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. We do have a motion and a second to approve the staff recommendation. Go ahead and enter your vote now. All votes have been entered. Seven ayes and the motion carries. Thank you again, ladies. Excellent. Item number 10 and formal items of the fiscal year 2023 audit results and related financial records. Our Chief Financial Officer, Mr. Morley. Good evening, Honorable Mayor Schrader, Deputy Mayor Sanchez Palacio, and other members of the City Council. I'm Greg Morley, representing the Finance Department. I'm here with Accounting Manager uh, Jason Williams to present the uh, findings of our annual audit of our financial statements as well as the presentation of our annual comprehensive financial report. Uh, just a little outline. We're going to talk about the financial audit for a couple of, for a couple of slides. Um, it's the, the comments from our audit partners, Clifton, Larson, and Allen, are not in this, but they are in the uh, audit reports that were presented as uh, part of this packet. And then Mr. Williams is going to take over for a few slides to talk about the annual comprehensive financial report. So the purpose of the audit um, is it's the same every year, and there's a lot of, lot of things, and these probably aren't all the purposes, but these are some pretty uh, good highlights for the audit. It's planning and risk assessment, uh, testing of internal controls, Review of accounting system, uh, individual fund analysis, sampling of course, development of financial statements, 
review of iterative revisions, and a final auditor opinion and recommendations. Um, this process is something that our accounting department, in, in conjunction with um, Ms. Townsend and um, uh, our um, treasury manager, Jennifer Rowe, uh, take on every year. Every year it's a, a pretty intense process. We start in about June of every year and, and we work on the audit for several months. Uh, sometimes it gets done by December, sometimes it takes a little longer than that. Um, every year there's probably something new on the audit. This year what was new on the audit was that the Governmental Accounting Standards Board issued their statement number 96, which was much similar to a, a, a statement that they issued last year, which was uh, Governmental Accounting Standards Board statement number 87. Uh, statement number 87 had to do with um, the capitalization of certain lease, leases. Um, for governmental entities, and GASB statement number 96 is similar to that, but it deals with the capitalization of um, IT-based um, subscription agreements, or subscription-based IT agreements. In other words, the, uh, those agreements that follow our uh, support agreements and hardware agreements for uh, our ERP system or our enterprise resource planning system and other ancillary computer softwares that we operate in the city. Um, it places significant significant effect or effect on the accounting and for our new enterprise resource planning system. Um, audit results um, in the independent auditor's report, we received an unmodified clean opinion. That is the most desired achievable outcome for any audit for a governmental entity. What that means is that the financial statements are presented fairly. There's no material misstatements in our financial statements. Um, and everything's done in accordance with generally accepted accounting principles and the Governmental Accounting Standards Board. Uh, they also do a report on internal re re controls. Uh, there were no material weaknesses or deficiencies in our internal controls, and there was no instances of noncompliance or override of any internal control. Uh, significant audit findings, again, no significant or adverse findings or issues. The financial statements are neutral, consistent, and clear. Uh, there's no significant difficulties in the re working relationship between our audit partners or our staff here at the City of Ventura. Um, there's a couple of things to point out about the financial statements. One of the things that we have done for several years here in the City of Ventura in concert with one of our budget principles is to plan for enhanced pension funding. Uh, we continued to do that last year uh, where we made an upfront payment of our unfunded accrued liability. Um, that saves us about 3.5% interest every year in our un unfunded accrued liability, and to date we've saved $3 million in cash by doing that over the last six years. Additional discretionary payment we made last year of $10.5 million, really $10.6 million towards pension liabilities, results in uh, significant budget savings over the next five years, and we have been and will continue strategies to improve pen pension funding ratios over the next few years probably in the next 20 years. Um, changes to reserves. Our general fund committed catastrophic, or catastrophic reserve increased by 6% to $22.6 million. Uh, water system operating and capital reserves decreased by 29% to a combined $28.2 million. I want to point out one thing. We do have something that calls, that's called a financial, uh, um, I'm sorry, <laughs> financial policies overview, one of our APMPs. Um, and in that financial policies overview, we have target uh, 
balances for these reserves, including the catastrophic reserve, including the water reserves, and we maintain those target minimum balances even though these uh, reserves have changed over the years. Um, something that's highlighted in our uh, financial statements is that we earn uh, financial awards. The, the Government Finance Officers of America uh, awarded us with a certificate in achievement for excellence in financial reporting. That is in regard, the award we received this year was was uh, with regard to the financial audit that we did last year. We were already in an application phase for the statements that we presented this year. General Fund, or the Government Finance Officers of America also presented us with a Distinguished Budget Presentation Award, and the California Society of Municipal Finance Officers presented us with an Operating Budget Excellence Award. I'm gonna let Mr. Williams take over for a few minutes and talk about some of these schedules that we have. Okay, there we go. <laughs> All right, yeah, so what you have here, this is um, uh, a summary of um, government-wide activities, um, beginning and ending net position as well as ending cash investments that are in the financial statements. Um, we have it, um, as you can see, the governmental activities portion is um, it's broken out between governmental activities and business type activities. Um, we start with beginning net position of the year for government activities was $101.1 million. Business type activities was $247.7 million. And total government-wide activities, um, beginning net position was $348.8 million. Um, and then it, you can see um, through all of the activity here, the revenues, expenses, and transfers in and out, there was a change in net position uh, um, in total of $10.8 million um, overall for government-wide, resulting in a $359.6 million ending net position. Um, uh, related to that, there's also our ending cash investments um, for um, government-wide activities, so, um, for governmental activities was $177.6 million. For business type activities was 136.4 million and combined is 314.0 million. And um, this um, slide actually is um, in reference to the previous slide, which we see um, our net position for government-wide activities. Um, it's um, uh, over the last um, five fiscal years. Um, the ending net position and the ending cash investments, you can see in FY23, we ended with a 359.6 uh, million and an ending cash investments was $314 million. And in this slide, we're dealing with the general fund revenues and expenditures, which is also a summarized version of which is actually um, reflected in the um, annual comprehensive financial report. Um, however, we here we show the last four years we um, with um, as far as the change in fund balance. Um, beginning fund balance for FY23 was $80.1 million. Um, a change in fund balance was a decrease in 14.1 um, as reflected in the revenues, um, less expenses and internal transfers, resulting in an ending fund balance of $66 million. And this, uh, the general fund balance here, this is to break it up on the um, the General Ac Accounting Standing, uh, Standards Board um, principles um, requires to break out the um, uh, general fund balance or governmental fund balance in, um, um, to these uh, uh, five categories, one being non-spendable, 
which is our essentially our prepaid and um, our inventory balance, which you can see um, the um, the change in fund balance from the prior year was um, a, a, um, two hundred thousand dollars reduction. Restricted is um, externally enforced, um, ex externally enforced um, restrictions, which there was no change. Our committed fund balance, which is um, um, things that um, the city council um, uh, has to provide a formal action on, um, there was a reduction on that by 2.6 million. Assigned or specific projects um, by city policy was reduced by 500,000. And our unassigned, which is essentially a residual fund balance, is um, um, negative uh, um, 2.8 million, resulting in a change in fund balance um, of 14.1 uh, million from the previous year of 80.1 to 66.0 at the end of FY23. So this is a receiving file, and there's no recommendations. We're uh, open to questions or comments from the city council. Questions from City Council? I have one on, um, I think, number seven, slide seven. You. So on cash and investments, down at the bottom, um, can you make the 314 uh, million relative to me compared to previous years? Is that a Slight increase, significant increase? Uh, yes, I can. Actually, with regard to last year, it's a little bit of a decrease, and I'll illustrate that on the next slide. Uh, this far right column shows the change in ending cash and in, uh, investments for all the uh, last five fiscal years. You can see that in 2023, we, we were about you know, uh, $10.5 million uh, lower than we were in 2022. Uh, but in the three prior fiscal years to that, we, you saw an increase in ending cash and investments. Um, this is a number that fluctuates. It actually fluctuates every month. We do a, an investment report every, every month, and we uh, uh, attach it to council connections, and we provide a copy to all the city council members. It changes um, uh, with expenditures and, and with the changing investments that we do. Uh, this difference between 2022 and, and 2023, that's probably uh, a result of, well, I know that it's a result of some of the more extraneous expenditures we did. For example, the $10.6 million uh, expenditure we made for the unfunded accrued liability. That attributes to that. Um, I can tell you right now, if I looked at the Indian cash and investments, we'd see a much different number than, than is there right now. Um, particularly because we have uh, increased going back to this audit year and continuing, continuing in this year, we've also increased uh, our CIP expenditures significantly. Thank you. So no area concern here? No. Okay. Other questions? I, I just have uh, I wanted to thank uh, staff. We uh, saw the item uh, initially at the uh, Finance and Audit and Budget Committee. Uh, so again, thank you for that presentation. Uh, I just wanted to say great job on the explaining the acronyms. Uh, it, it's kind of a pet peeve of mine, but you really did a great job laying all of that out. So uh, I know that's a minor thing. Uh, my real question is, how many years in a row have you won the audit uh, award? Um, I, what is it, six years? Uh, I, uh, no, it's more than that, actually. Um, I, didn't keep, I don't keep track of that because 
I haven't been on that side of the house for, for that long, but I think they've actually won that award uh, going on 20 years. It's, um, our, our audit, uh, our annual comprehensive financial report tends to always be clean. Um, and it's always, regardless of who the staff has been, I've been here for 12 years, regardless of who the staff has been, they do a good job of presenting the financial statements. Thank you for that. Just kind of an add-on for me. Um, as a person in another life who went through a lot of financial annual audits, th this is just fabulous news for us to get, it seems like on an annual basis now, when you have no material weaknesses in your internal controls, no significant or adverse findings, unmodified clean opinion, congratulations to you and your staff. That's really, really well done. Thank you. The staff's done a great job. Okay, uh, I'm sorry, Councilmember Johnson. Thank you, and I just wanna add, you know, um, when we look at, for example, some of the issues that other cities have dealt with, when you talk about financial policies, the fact that we always have this clean audit, mean that we can have that discussion of financial policies, and we're starting from a very solid basis. There's no questioning the premise, there's no finger pointing, uh, and it really enables us to do things like what we've done with bumping up the reserves, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't be so easy if we didn't have the clean financial report to start with. So thank you, staff. Thank you. And Mr. Mayor, no public comment received on item 10. Thank you much. Very good. We're going to take a 20-minute break now. So we'll be back at 7.02. No, 7.12. Is that good? Around that time? Okay. Thank you.
Call the meeting back to order. I believe we're on uh, item number 11, the first of three budget workshops. I know we can stump Mr. Morley. I just don't know if we can stump Ms. Townsend or not, so. Mayor Trader, Deputy Mayor Sanchez Palacio, other members of the City Council, thank you for asking me back. I'm Greg Morley, representing the Finance Department. I'm here with the Assistant Chief Financial Officer, Pam Townsend. She's going to give us an overview of our um, budget process, which we're engaged in right now and will continue for the, last, the next four months. Go ahead. All right. Thank you so much. Good evening, Mayor, Deputy Mayor, and members of the City Council. Um, I am very excited to be here with you this evening to talk about budget workshop number one. So let's dive on in. Uh, first, we're going to go over a budgeting overview, and next we're going to give you an update to our investment plan. Following that, we'll give you an update to the city's pensions. And lastly, we will review the city's timeline for the budget process. So first, quick snapshot of the timeline. Um, here we are, February 13th, for budget workshop number one. On February 3rd, that was two Saturdays ago, you had the City Council goal setting. Those goals that come out of goal setting are going to help inform and guide our budget process. March 19th is budget workshop number two and the adoption of the capital improvement plan. April 23rd is the transmittal of our proposed budget. On May 14th, we'll be back for budget workshop number three. And if all goes according to plan, on June 11th, we're going to adopt the budget. So some additional background about what guides our budget process. Um, the budget is governed by rules outlined within the city charter, some important dates to keep in mind. Uh, the charter says that by May 1st, the budget proposal is due, and that by June 30th, the budget adoption is due. We also um, organize the budget process in accordance with Financial Policies Overview APMP 14.7. That policy is reviewed every single year, and we do include it uh, with budget adoption. A few years ago, we adopted some budget principles that help guide the process. I, I won't go through each of these um, individually unless you'd like me to, but some that I do want to point out. Um, the first two in particular, uh, the first one is to promote long-term financial stability through pension cost monitoring, and the second is to incorporate assumptions for employee vacancies and resulting savings in the budget. The city of Ventura, like many organizations, the lion's share of the operations cost comes in personnel. So any small adjustments um, made in any assumptions um, to things like pensions and vacancy factors really can have a significant impact on the budget. So what makes up a budget? Well, the budget has two major components. On one side, imagine things like property tax, sales tax, utility tax, permit fees, grants, transient occupancy tax, business license, water rates, voter initiatives, and many, many others. We have hundreds of revenue accounts here at the city. Those things make up the city's revenues. On the opposite side, we've got things like our core city services. We've got costs related to our personnel, things like um, our pension costs, our PERS costs, hiring, um, any costs associated with our labor agreements and our memoranda of understanding, any new initiatives, 
um, economic conditions, capital improvement, changes in technology, emergency repairs, and again, hundreds, hundreds more. Um, all of these make up our expenditures. Those two things together make up a proposed budget. So we do this exercise balancing revenues and expenditures across all 34 active city funds. So a quick synopsis of some of those. We have all of our budgetary funds are broken into either governmental funds. Governmental funds include the general fund, that's our largest and most discretionary fund. Uh, we have special revenue funds, things like transportation, gas tax, our assessment districts. Measure O is also included as a special revenue fund, as well as others. We have capital project funds, debt service funds, and on the opposite side, we have proprietary funds. Included in proprietary funds are our enterprise funds, specifically water and wastewater, and our internal service funds, which include things like IT, fleet, facilities, and others. Another reminder, all of those funds have to be budgeted, balanced, and maintained separately. So what does it mean to balance a budget? Well, let's take a look at it. We've got our two components, right? We've got revenues and expenditures. And think of it like a scale. We want it to balance. Let's say, hypothetically, this is not a, a specific fund, but just for an example, let's say this hypothetical fund has something like property tax, sales tax, and charges for services. And on the expenditure side, we've got things like supplies and services, salaries, and employee benefits. As you can see in this perfect example, both the revenues and the expenditures match. This is a balanced fund. But what happens when we're not that fortunate? Well, let's just say we'll take that exact same example. We've got revenues and expenditures. And again, let's assume property tax came in exactly as we expected. Perfect. But let's just say, hypothetically, sales tax just a little bit under what we expected. And let's say charges for services is also coming in under what we expected. Okay. <laughs> But then on the opposite side, services and supplies exactly as expected, as were salaries and employee benefits. But let's just say, again hypothetically, that CalPERS had a particularly damaging year and we have to deal with the rising pension costs associated with the impacts of that. As you can see, our, uh, this particular fund is out of balance. We cannot move forward with this fund. So either the expenditures, in this case, are going to have to be reduced or the revenues are going to have to be increased. We do this exercise across all 34 funds, um, across all spend categories and revenue categories. So some things that we're considering, um, we're still very early on in the budget process this year, um, but we are considering, um, we are trying to anticipate and properly plan for the second year of our three-year labor agreements. We're also just always keeping an eye um, on the economy. That's part of our regular uh, budgetary review. Um, we're always looking at what the economy is doing and how that is affecting um, our revenue sources. We're also anticipating and looking for any impacts uh, to changes in pension cost funding expectations. And uh, we also wanted to give you an update on the investment plan. Uh, if you recall back in 2021, um, council authorized an investment plan. It was made up of $24.7 million. Um, so on the left-hand side, I've included uh, the focus areas that we were going to um, put these dollars towards and the original earmark, the dollar amount that we had allocated for these particular focus areas. However, as we've gone along, um, we have made some adjustments. So this column right here um, indicates any time we made a change. So you might recall last month, 
uh, per council action, we reduced community beautification by $551,665 and the Wedgwood Event Center allocation by $880,000. We moved both of those things into library funding. And that same day, with a different council action, we moved $743,121 out of City Hall repairs and third floor build out, and we moved that over to peer repair. This is now our total earmark. It's essentially how much we have reserved for each of these focus areas. But we also wanted to show you how much we've committed to specific projects. So just because we have identified uh, monies that we want to spend or we want to put in a particular focus area, we also wanted to show you how much we've committed to specific projects within those focus areas. So far, year to date, we are, um, in total over the last three years, we have allocated 21.77 million, um, leaving a balance of 2.9. And it would not be a budget update unless we gave you an update to the city's pensions. Um, Apologies, there are some very large numbers here. Um, I might ask you to come back in time to actually this day, um, last year, uh, when we went over a CalPERS and um, pension update. So you'll see down, down here at the bottom, it says based on CalPERS valuation report, fiscal year ending June 30, 2022, you might recall that that is our most recent valuation report. It takes CalPERS a long time to put these reports together. So we received the report for June 30, 2022 in July or August of 2023. So that is the report that is going to drive our FY25 budget. Um, I also want to direct your attention to the columns. We have two plans within the city of Ventura. We have our safety plan that includes all sworn police and fire um, and miscellaneous, that happens to be the name of the plan, is essentially all other employees. Uh, we've listed out the total members. That is both active and retirees. Uh, total accrued liability is the total estimate per plan um, that CalPERS estimates our liability is. The market value of assets is how much they estimate our market value of all of our existing assets to be. And the unfunded liability is the difference between the two. Um, the funded ratio is essentially just the market value of the assets over the accrued liability when people talk pensions, a lot of emphasis is put on the funded ratio. A lot of people consider that to be a good indication of whether or not a plan is healthy. Um, our safety plan is funded at 60.8% and our miscellaneous plan is 73.2. And we wanted to show you what those funded ratios looked like over time. So here we have um, shown valuation year ending uh, 2020, sorry, 2017 through 2022. So you see miscellaneous on the top, safety on the bottom, and they were pretty flat for four years. And then in 2021, they shot up. You might recall that we told you that was going to happen. Um, and you might also recall that the huge drop off that you see here in 22 was also expected. We knew that we were going to see significant losses in 2022, we did. Uh, that is represented here. But one silver lining, if I could uh, just highlight that really quickly, um, recall that Mr. Morley mentioned in the last presentation that we made a CalPERS payment of $10.6 million. Had we not made that payment, um, we are estimating that we would have been at a funded ratio of 58.6%, so below 60%. Um, so we are very grateful um, to have made that payment. A quick refresh of where we go from here. So March 19, we're going to be back for budget workshop number two. Uh, we're going to provide updated revenue projections and a high-level summary of new spending requests. 
We're also gonna give another opportunity for city council input. On April 23rd, we will transmit the proposed citywide budget and we will include detail for general fund, utility funds, measure O, capital funds, and we will give you a summary of all of the other funds. Um, we will also provide you at that time with a five-year forecast. On May 14th, we'll be back for the third budget workshop. And on June 11th, we hope to be back in front of you to adopt the budget. One thing that's not necessarily related to the budget process, but we do want to highlight it because it does inform the budget. Um, on April 9th, we're gonna be back in front of council uh, for the annual public hearing for the user fee updates. User fees are updated every two years. Uh, we happen to be in an even year, so this is a comprehensive fee study. Uh, our consultant is currently uh, meeting with other city departments, and we are working on that study right now. And this is pretty much a receive. Our, our recommendation is to receive staff's presentation, so we're available for questions. Council questions? <clears throat> Mr. McReynolds. Uh, on slide 15, I just have one quick question. What is, is CalPERS giving you any indication of it's going to be a level year, a good year, another bad year? I believe the last we spoke, um, the first half of this year was not looking great, although we have no reason to believe that it's going to be particularly bad for the second half. If I had to make an estimate, and that is truly, I cannot emphasize this enough, it would not be something that I would be basing a budget off of, um, but I would, I would not be surprised if we saw something below our, um, our discount rate of 6.8%. Thank you. Councilmember Halter. Yeah, a great overview, so thank you very much for that, and very, very succinct. Um, I wanted to ask, though, so in regards to the fees, um, the comprehensive fee study, in addition to looking at uh, the actual cost to provide that service, are we looking at what services may no longer be needed and what fees may no, may no longer apply? Is that part of that study? Yes, the study, the study um, starts with all of the current fees that we have. Um, the consultant meets with all of the representative departments and they discuss what fees, what new fees might be required mm -hmm. and they also discuss fees that are current that we may not need any longer. The uh, analysis is put together using assumptions for both of those things and also including things like CPI to come up with what the new rate study would be. Great, thank you. Mm -hmm. Councilmember Campos. On slide, I believe it's 12, the one-time investment plan. The, the adjustments that were made to those three funds, do they have any adverse effect on the community along the road, you know, going forward, those no. projects? No, we don't anticipate that those particular projects will have any adverse effect on the community moving forward. As a matter of fact, the money that we put into the library funding that matches the grant that the County of Ventura has, where they're, we're, they're probably gonna be spending, um, I think their grant was about $8 million. They're gonna spend close to 12 or $13 million renovating that building over on Main Street. Right. Um, so that's, I think, gonna be a, a win for our community. Um, and the peer repairs, obviously, um, are, everybody wants the peer to get repaired. Thank you. Councilmember Johnson. Thank you. You know, it's interesting when we look at this, because I remember the discussion we had a couple of years ago about 
um, making potentially some modifications to this. When, when this comes back, could we get an explanation of where we're at with the Portland Lou downtown? Because, you know, when we said that we would allocate money from the one-time investment plan for that, we were then told we don't need to, the money is already there. Is that, would that be something in a separate account? Could, could you come back with that? We can come back with an analysis of what's going on with that project. It's not part of this funding. No, it's not. Yeah, okay. I'm, but in terms, it, it, it but, brought yeah. up the question that, that, you know, I recall now that two years ago we were told it was going to happen and the money had been set aside. Could you just, as, as part of the budget process, make sure that the money is there? Sure, sure. It'll be, it'll be incorporated into our operational and CIP budget proposals that we make. Thank you. And, and, a, and a broader question, Mr. Marley, I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, what would you think about the effects on the city if we were to move to a two-year budget cycle? Um, I'm not sure that it would uh, present a significant effect on the city. The, I have participated in a two-year budget cycle before, and the statements have been made that doing a two-year budget cycle makes it easier for the second year, but it doesn't. Okay. The amount of work that both operational staff and finance staff have to put into updating that two-year cycle is just as intensive as it is for a one-year budget cycle. Well, thank you. I, I, I will take what you say as gospel on that subject. Thank you, Mayor. Councilmember Duran. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, Councilmember Johnson, I just want to let you know our meeting a couple weeks ago in attachment A, it talks about the installed downtown Portland Lou restroom and it shows where the money is, some oh. 42.5 and 727. So it's in there. It's in there. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, happy birthday, Mrs. Duran. All right. <laughs> Dr. Sanchez-Palacios. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to uh, say that this was the second presentation that the Finance and Budget Committee also had. Um, so thank you for uh, giving us this presentation again. And, and I think my comment at that time was thank you for making the report so simplistic and down to just basic knowledge for me. <laughs> Um, and easy to follow, so I appreciate that. Um, and at the time, I did also ask about the two-year cycle um, budget and uh, got the same answer, so I appreciate that. Um, and I didn't have any particular questions. Um, I think, uh, if anything, again, just thank you for um, making it user-friendly. Appreciate it. I do have one question on the peer repair. So that was for the first storm? Or is that for both the storms? This peer repair that we're referencing here is based on the December 28th high surf event. There's also peer repairs that are being done. Um, we actually had, we started peer repairs that were being done in reference to the January 2023 severe winter storm event. Uh, we had to put those on hold for a minute when, when the high surf event happened because these repairs had to be done before the others could be done. So I think staff anticipates that these repairs will be finished within the next um, month, and then before the end of the fiscal year, we'll finish the repairs from the original storm in January okay. of 2023. Thank you much. Any other questions from my colleagues? If not, we'll go to public comments, please. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. No public comment received. All right. 
Back to council deliberations, and there's no motion required. Councilmember Johnson. Thank you. There's no motion required. I, I would just uh, ask staff. Um, I appreciate, in particular, that the the measure L got a special call out tonight. Um, I, I greatly appreciate that. I hope, as we move forward, with, for example, with the printed budget and the presentations that we have, that, that we will continue with that. I think I raised earlier my concerns about how how well we're able as as the elected officials to track the money that gets allocated through measure o and, and where it ultimately gets spent and then secondly i would just ask um, as we look at the next budget i would feel much more comfortable when we look at the programs that we've committed to through the housing element for more than just this next year um, and i've said this before you know when you look at when you look at our capital improvement plan worksheets, they're fantastic, the way they show what the justification is, a description of the project, a timeline, the different sources of funds for them. And they show, you know, this year we're talking $2 million, and next year we're talking $4.6 million, and the year after that we're talking $800,000. It would be great if we could see something like that as part of the budget process. Um, it's something that I think this, the, that council just ultimately should have. But, but I think when we look at how we are funding those programs in this next budget, knowing what the next year is going to look like and the year after that, what those commitments might be, could affect our decision making. Okay. So that would, that would you know, clearly be something through the community development department, but I see it as, as really a budgeting issue. Sure. Thank you, Thank you Mayor. I think that's it. Thank you very much. Uh, workshop number one. We're looking forward to two and three. On to um, item number 12, which is a transmittal of the proposed fiscal year capital improvement program. Mr. Duran, can we count on you to uh, recall some individual CIPs <laughs> in, in the future? It was pretty annotated. Yeah, that's. <laughs> he has some questions about some pencils. Welcome, Mr. Shade. Thank you, uh, Mayor, Deputy Mayor, Council Members. For the record, my name is Peter Shade. I am the Acting Public Works Director. Tonight, I'm before you to transmit the proposed fiscal year 2025 to 2029 capital improvement program. So the topics tonight, we'll be talking about the capital improvement program overview, CIP development process, overview of how the CIP is organized and projects prioritized, proposed changes to the current CIP, projects completed in the last 18 months, and next steps. We will not be discussing specific projects tonight. However, if council directs us, we can be prepared to speak about specific projects at the study session on February 27th. Also, I'd be happy to meet with any of you individually by phone or in person before the study session to answer any of your questions. So the capital improvement overview, the annual five-year program contains a general, uh, a clear general summary of contents, list of capital improvements, cost estimates, financing and schedule of expenditures, 
Estimated annual cost of operating and maintaining facilities constructed or acquired. And we have a public hearing and approval that occurs prior to April 1st. Goals of the CIP are to be systematic plan for capital infrastructure investment, to restore or maintain current service levels, to meet regulatory requirements, to meet new service requirements, and to identify future funding sources. The CIP is a funding, it's not a funding document, it is a planning document. The project completion is contingent on planning budgets, uh, planned budgets being approved by your council. Also, CEQA completed, is completed at the project level during pre-design and is a separate approval from the CIP. Before we begin, here are some key terminology that we use. CIP stands for Capital Improvement Program. It is a five-year city charter requirement. It contains projects authorized for execution, is often referred to as the CIP or program. A work plan is a partially or fully funded project. Work plan projects are authorized for execution and have a spending plan. Potential grants are those projects authorized to move forward into the work plan if grant funds are received. We are actively pursuing grant funds for the projects that are on this list. And then lastly, the unfund projects have no funding sources identified. They are not authorized for staff to work on and there are no plans for execution. Unplanned projects are placed on a list of unfunded and lower priority projects. Uh, and we will be discussing this more later in the presentation when we talk about projects being removed from the CIP. So the creation of the CIP is about a 12-month process. Uh, we begin the CIP development in June, and last June, department coordinators reviewed the current uh, work plan and submitted new project requests. From that, public works engineers uh, then provided new estimates and recommended prioritization for both new and existing work plans late in the summer. During the fall, we reviewed funding and in collaboration with finance determined capacity of funds implement projects. We are currently transmitting the proposed CIP to Council and will meet with you again on February 27th as part of a study session to receive Council's and the public's direction and comments. Please note that the CIP projects, uh, as they are implemented, estimates are expected to be updated through the design process and as bids are received. Project costs fluctuate due to resizing of project scope and inflation. The CIP is required to be adopted by April 1st annually once adoption uh, of projects are incorporated into the 2025 budget and printed and online versions of the CIP will be published and distributed by July 1st. So he here on this slide we're showing the progress of a project from preliminary design all the way through closeout. From start to finish projects typically take between 12 and 36 months um, uh, to, or 12, 12 to 24 months to deliver based on the phases shown here on this slide. For more complex projects, uh, many uh, Ventura water projects, fallness category, or perhaps building projects um, can take 36 to 60 months uh, to complete. So the prioritization system that we use is considered a risk benefit based system 
Uh, first, we identified the primary driver. There are three generally considered drivers uh, that, that are reasons why we complete a CIP project. First, to mitigate a risk. Examples might be a health and safety issue or a legal threat. Second is to obtain a benefit. Examples might be a new service uh, for the city or long-term cost savings accrued from the project. Third is a council priority. So examples might be, uh, the project might be a council-directed project or advances a, a council goal. Next, we look at how urgent a project is to meet that driver and how likely the project is to have the intended outcome um, to meet that project driver. From that, we put projects in four buckets, one to four, based on critical to low. So here on this slide, we talk about what, uh, what dictates uh, whether a priority, a project is in the priority one through four. As you can see, there are various reasons a project is rated in one of these four priority buckets. If a work plan project is in priority one, we are working on that project now. So, uh, and then in addition to priority one projects, we also have the capacity to work on a number of priority projects that are in the two and three category. There won't be any projects that are priority four in the work plan. Changing uh, of projects priority, moving them will affect the, the prioritization of other projects currently in the CIP. Um, generally speaking, we do not stop uh, projects that have already started that, uh, where there is a need that still exists, except in the case where we fund priority one projects that need additional funds to be completed. Uh, the CIP book is organized into nine major programs, uh, coastal facilities, information technologies, parks and medians, public art, stormwater, streets and transportation, wastewater and water. Uh, on the right-hand side, we show all the, the information that is contained within the CIP. So proposed changes for the FY25 through 29 CIP. We've added four new projects to the CIP. All four projects are resurfacing projects. They all uh, were described and um, are contained within the pavement management plan that was presented to your council last spring. There are two new potential grant projects. Those are three projects uh, that uh, are uh, active transportation projects that were presented to your council uh, before the holidays. We also have 26 uh, new unplanned projects per, uh, that were submitted by uh, departments, uh, 46 complete or substantially completed projects by the end of this fiscal year, 16 amended or modified projects since uh, last year's CIP adoption, and 75 projects uh, that are proposed for deletion from the CIP. So why would we remove 75 projects from the CIP? Um, remove projects uh, that have been completed or combined with other projects. I know there have been discussions uh, where projects have been uh, uh, combined within Ventura Water Pure, as an example, um, or projects that were going to be reviewed by um, upcoming uh, department strategic planning processes and that will then be referred back to um, uh, back to public works from those departments as part of a future CIP. Mm -hmm. 
So I now want to just present um, a short review of some of the projects that have been completed over the 18 months uh, ending at the end of this fiscal year. Uh, on this slide, we see a project there are coastal facilities, information technology, and parks and medians. On this slide, we're showing transportation uh, and streets projects as well as a wastewater project. And then on this slide, we're showing uh, the water projects that were completed also within the last 18 months. So this is an overall summary of the CIP as currently formulated and transmitted to you tonight. Uh, we have 22 projects that were completed in the last 18 months for a value of almost $42 million. We're currently in the construction, both public works and IT, of 18 projects, totaling $190 million. Uh, we have or will have out to bid and in procurement 17 projects between now and the end of the fiscal year, totaling of approximately 111 million projects. And we have 29 projects that are currently in design uh, for $739 million. So I did want to go over uh, what information was transmitted to your council, both through the staff report as well as by way of the city's website. Um, the, uh, the, the worksheet in front of you is, is the, uh, an updated one-page worksheet. You'll notice that this is a portrait-style uh, worksheet instead of the landscape that we have in the older CIP book. We think this will be a lot easier for, um, for staff and uh, the public to, to look at and, um, and conveys the information that we think um, that they'll be looking for. Um, in attachment A of, uh, to the staff report, we have a project list that complete, that contain uh, the proposed work plan, potential grant projects, new unplanned projects, completed, amended or modified, and deleted projects. Attachment B uh, has presented in the older format of the CIP new project worksheets for the work plan and potential grants, and that is, again, um, seven projects. So uh, not, not a long list in attachment B. And then again, avail on available on the city's website is the work plan worksheets in the new format, potential grant-funded worksheets, and unplanned project list. Um, with that, tonight, tonight's item is receive and file. Um, what we're asking you tonight is to accept uh, the transmittal of the CIP. Um, please let Public Works, myself, or any of the contacts you have, uh, if you have questions about uh, any CIP projects proposed, uh, so that we can be prepared to answer those questions during the study session, or uh, contact me by email or by phone if you have any other questions. Uh, the City Attorney's Office will be contacting each of the Council members to discuss issues related to conflict of interest. Um, that will be, as it was last year, uh, take members out at different points for different approvals uh, during the approval um, and on March 26th. February 27th, we'll have a study session. We'll, at that point, uh, again, we'll be talking more detail, project-specific, uh, taking public comments and any questions, discussion, and certainly any um, direction to staff uh, to move any projects around. Um, and then March 26th, um, just wanted to note that uh, between February 27th and March 26th, we have a couple of weeks to, to take those comments and changes that are requested. 
um, wrap them into the CIP and then get, the, get that staff report and uh, pros processed through our uh, staff report uh, review process so that they're available and posted for the February 27th, or I'm sorry, March 26th um, council meeting. And at that time, uh, we'll be having a public hearing and requesting adoption of the CIP. And then lastly, on July 1st, as mentioned earlier, the CIP book both electronically on the city's website as well as in hard copy for selected uh, members on your dais as well as uh, a few staff members, uh, we can make the copy, hard copy bound book available at your request. And I'd be happy to take any questions. Council Member Johnson. Thank you, Mayor. And Mr. Shade, I am, I am not, I'm trying not to speak about any particular project, but I'm going to use one as an example because it popped up last night at the Water Commission meeting. And, and so this is Project 97949, the State Water Interconnect. What I realized last night was that the budget for that in the, that was transmitted to the Water Commission and to us has that project at about $48,000. Um, 48 million? I'm sorry, yeah, 48 million, 48 million dollars. What surprised me was the last time we talked about this, it was a 32 million dollar project. And I recall at that time, I was, I was a bit upset that what had originally been a 25 million dollar project became a 32 million dollar project without any real notice to council. So is there a reason why this, and it's really about a 30, 33% increase in the cost of this project, why that does not show up as an amended item, an amended project in the staff report? The, uh, the CIP on the, um, on, on the major years, which are the, the year that's an, an odd numbered year, so 25 to 29, this is a major update to the CIP. Those are years where we do update project costs uh, for projects and those are updated on the odd years, uh, that are on the even uh, uh, calendar numbered years, that's a, considered a minor update. And the project costs are not generally updated in the CIP uh, in those years. Thank you. When, when this comes back to us for the workshop, can we get um, something that says which projects have had their budget changed like that? I, 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 I note that you know we're talking about $15 million. So, um, if I can understand what you're saying, so you want you want a um, uh, on a project level, you want um, what the total project cost was in the original CIP compared to what it is in the current CIP. Yes, yes. I I I personally, you know, I could do it. I could go through item by item and see what changed from the the current CIP to this proposed CIP. But I would hope. <laughs> I would hope we have that. Um, the water staff in the presentation they gave to the Water Commission, um, it was not in the staff report. It was not in the presentation, but Ms. Trebo did say when, when it came up, oh, I have, I have that information here on, on the changes. I just would hope the council could, could get, when we talk about what projects have been amended, um, if the timeline has changed or if the, the dollars have changed, if, if we could have something to focus on at our next meeting. Could we do that? Uh, yeah, I think we can come up with a table that shows the original cost of the, when it, when it was created in the CIP versus what is in the current CIP, we can do that. 
I'm, I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not talking about the original $25 million. I'm saying council approved $32 million and you've transmitted to us a plan for it to be $48 million. And that to me, from the 2023 to 2028 CIP, that's the difference I'm looking at. Just the current CIP to this proposed CIP. Okay, yes. And, and if projects were added since 2023, um, we'll use what they were, the numbers they were added for. Does that sound good? Yeah, that, that sounds good. Okay, I just yeah, we can do sure that. When we have these things, the council is aware of these budget increases. And, and I'd be happy to talk. I, I know there was some discussion about um, about how project estimates are created and how, um, uh, you know, early on in a project design or concept phase, there's uh, a bit more variability than there are as you get down through final design. And we can touch upon that as well. Um, if, and I ask the mayor's indulgence on, on responding to this one. Um, I would greatly appreciate that. Um, one of the things I noticed at the Water Commission was they have, they list pro projects and categories from 54321, and a five is kind of a new thing, and you, you have to know that the CIP numbers are vague, and, and we all understand that. But as you move through, you, the expectation is that window, that variability, that uncertainty is supposed to minimize. What I heard last night was that this is a project that is 95% designed, but it just saw a 33% increase. And, and I would like to make sure that um, any of those changes, you know, even if it's just a spreadsheet, we can get those ahead of time and, and ask, why is this being put off a year, or why, why are we seeing this budget increase? Can we do that? Uh, yeah, I can bring a table. Thank you. Councilmember Campos. Thank you for the presentation. Um, I also, I think because partly the way my brain works, likes to compartmentalize things. And um, during the Water Commission meeting, there was talk of projects, both CIP and non-CIP. But since you have this all easy to sort, is it possible, and maybe we can meet about it at some point, for me to get a copy of just the water projects and which ones are water pure and which ones are not so that I can understand also what the flow of them are. I, I think um, I, I would also like to see the street projects, but I think that's probably a thousand pages. But um, if those two things came to me as one set, then it would help me to be able to peruse it and understand what we're talking about. And are you just looking at uh, one, one line per project? No, I don't believe. I think that you have many lines here, but spread out throughout the document that refer to water, wastewater treatment, water pure. I would like to see them all, each line, but in a separated from everything else. Okay. So then I can get a better grasp of what we're doing. I think I understand what you mean, but um, if we can talk offline, we, yeah. can, we can share something with you in draft form and you can let us know if we're Excellent. where you're looking for. Thank you. Councilmember Halter. Great, thank you, Mr. Mayor, and thanks for, again, a concise uh, presentation. Uh, I have a, a couple of basic questions, just to make sure I'm, I completely understand it, is um, on a five-year five plan, CFP plan, uh, you're constantly looking for grants and looking for funding 
to fund those projects and you balance that out every year because some could take three or four years to raise enough money to actually have that project come to fruition, correct? Yes. Okay. And then, so I just need to know that money's sitting someplace as you raise it and probably getting interest on it somewhere. I think that's a re revenue, uh, I think there's a revenue line item for interest. Does that go in the general fund or does it go towards the capital improvement project? Um, currently, uh, well, and, and, and I don't know if our uh, finance director is, is here that might want to answer that. I know that there was some talk about uh, the investment plan and, and the investments related to that. He's fine. Uh, Mr. Morley, I think the question, if I have it right, is uh, the revenue that we earn from our investments does that revenue go into the general fund or does it go into particular CIP structures? That's correct. That, that revenue that we earn from the investments is, is generally accrued to the general fund. Okay. However, in, in one of the slides that we showed where we showed, where we showed water operations and, um, and government-wide operations, and at the bottom there was a, a line that said net cash and investments. You could see a significant portion of the net cash and investments was dedicated to water operations. So even though the original revenue accrued comes to the general fund, there's an apportionment to the water operations at the end of the year. Okay, great. Thank you for the answer. I appreciate that. And then I just um, wanted to mention that um, on the CIP pro projects, there uh, the the, flex, the very variability on prices and extreme increases it makes this very challenging. Uh, I've never seen the point in my life that it's been the way it was the last two years. It's starting to level out, but we still have product shortages, so we just got to be very careful and watch those prices constantly. Councilmember McReynolds, uh, thank you. I was uh, <clears throat> along a similar line of uh, Councilmember Johnson, um, and I. I this is half a question that the Councilmember Johnson and to you, uh, you is I, I'm concerned about cost increases that exceeded CPI, the consumer price index, not necessarily. So if they're minor changes, I, I'm more concerned if anything. And so I was just looking it up with the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics. So we had a 3.2% increase and then we had a 3.4. So I'm really interested in anything that's basically exceeded 7% you know, and why that is, uh, that exceeds CPI is really my concern uh, on there. I'm willing to, I understand CPI and, you know, costs are going to go up. Uh, so, that, and then uh, I would have a particular focus on any of the water projects also as Councilmember Compass uh, brought up. And then the same thing with roads and sidewalks. Uh, if we could have a one-sheeter that actually, that we could hand, we probably get more questions about roads and sidewalks than anything else, you know, and if there was a, like a one-sheeter, we could, here's, Here's within the CPI, uh, so we can answer that question. That would be great. Thank you. Councilmember Johnson. Thank you. I don't mean to um, go out of turn. No. Thank you. I, I would add, you know, as we talk in, in particular about our concerns with, the, with all the water capital projects, um, I, Commissioner Amendola, I think, two weeks ago requested uh, that when the Water Commission look at the capital improvement projects, he was looking for something that, that said, you know, for each project, like a, like a little 
checkbox thing with rows and columns that explain for each project, are, you know, are we doing this because of a consent decree? Are we doing this because of federal regulations? Are we doing this because of the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act? Um, I, I just, I think when we look at the water CIP in particular, it would be helpful to have what Mr. Amendola requested uh, on, in his email, I think, on February 1st. Thank you. Uh, Councilmember Halter. Again, just for a point of clarity, as we're talking about CPI, is there uh, uh, materials, separate CPI, other than CPI that we all know uh, nationally and statewide? Generally speaking, in construction, we use a engineering news record uh, construction okay. cost index. Uh, we have that locally in the Los Angeles area that we can draw upon and we can look at uh, you know, we, we can look at what has changed over the last 24 months, say for instance, if we're looking at between, um, uh, you know, between well, the cost estimates that we have and okay. what we had in 2023. You know, we, we, we do, these cost estimates are, are and, and when the inflation is low, maybe it doesn't make so much difference, but the, these cost estimates were, were, were created last summer. And so, um, you know, so we're, we're kind of, our cost estimates for starting July 1st are 12 months in the rear from what uh, the timeline that we have. So add then, um, uh, add then the duration it takes to get through a preliminary design and design, uh, you know, and, and the construction is generally two to three years out from the time mm -hmm. that the initial cost estimates are, are written. So yeah, so um, of course there is changes in scope that occur during the design of a project, there's certainly unknowns that become known during design, uh, but yeah, certainly project costs can change. Uh, pretty can be can be dramatic at times. Exactly. Uh, with all those factors. I just wanted to make sure that and we understand that CPI that we all get used to hearing about is far different than the builder's CPI, because where it was 7.3 percent, I would venture to say it was 30, 30 percent in building materials. Okay. Thank you, Councilmember Compost. Um, I, I also want to understand clearly, so if there's a line item and it's a project, if that particular project or a portion of it requires a CEQA review, is that included in this cost or is that a separate cost somewhere else? Again, this is a planning document, so it's not a budget, but um, the costs that are captured in, this, in the work plan should include any required costs to go through regulatory compliance. So the CEQA process should be including that cost. I don't, I don't know the exact percentage, but I'm gonna just throw a number out there. Probably, you know, 50 to 60% of our projects we can do with a basic notice of exemption from CEQA. And so it's only those smaller, uh, the minority of projects that we need to do more extensive CEQA mitigating declaration or an EIR right but those individual projects then would include the cost of that review yes and at the time that that CIP work plan is created the the engineer creating that makes an assumption on what CEQA a document would be required okay. thank you mr. McReynolds mr. mayor uh, I just wanted to defer to mr. Halter so in terms of what metrics you use if it's the or CPI, or I, I would leave that up to you in terms of what is the best to explain that 
you know, it, it's more, I just want to understand anything that's exceeded the, the builder cost index or the consumer price index. I, I leave it up to okay. you guys to determine which would be the best uh, measurement against. And, and I think we can present what, what, the, what that uh, construction cost index has, uh, how that's changed over the last yeah. uh, two or three years, and, and then we can show the, the delta between the work plan from 23 to 27 to uh, what's shown. Again, my concern is the projects that exceeded the, yeah. not, not anything that's within okay. the. Thank you. Sure. I think that's it. We're ready to go oh. out to public comment, please. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. We have one speaker on item number 12, Robert Arrhenio. And Robert, you'll have three minutes. Good evening, Mayor, Council Members. Thank you. Um, my initial thought was, as you were going through your presentation, that my comments tonight are going to be premature, especially given your last slide there, there. But given the discussion that has gone on amongst the council members here, it does seem appropriate. Uh, as was mentioned last night, we did have a water commission meeting and we were taking a look at this very same, uh, it was actually a workshop and we were looking at the water and wastewater capital improvement projects that are being proposed for us. In, the, in that presentation last night, there was two wastewater projects and seven water projects that we discussed and we're talking about. Uh, we did end up voting in order for those to go forward at this time. With that said, I do have a caveat. Myself, as I've mentioned probably to you and to others, I've had some concerns and understand the bright shining light that is on us right now for the cost of these projects and what is going on with it and trying to get our arms around that. To that end, I've also become involved with staff and meeting with them in order to understand on the water side those capital projects and the process in which they go through and understand how those numbers are derived at and what is the level of confidence that we can have in those, using my expertise in the field for the many years that I have. Last night, as a second option or a second action, we voted to have a ad hoc committee be created to look at Ventura Water Pure. And that uh, ad hoc committee will be Susan Mulligan, who is the former general manager of Cayegas, and uh, Commissioner Mike Savage, who also comes from the private side and was dealing with these types of projects also. So they're going to be diving into the numbers and meeting with staff also and making sure they have a thorough understanding of what is involved, where it's going, what it costs, and what is a level of confidence. It is my intention or my hope as, as chair that before the end of this fiscal year, myself or all three of us will come back and make a report to you so that you have confidence going forward in our audit and our review of this program. We understand the attention it's getting. We understand that the size of these numbers are shocking and enlightening at the same time and we want to make sure that we can give you some guidance as to the pluses, minuses, and maybe some improvements in the process in order to help contain cost or even shave cost going forward. Thank you. Mr. Mayor, that concludes public comment on item number 12. Uh, back to council deliberation, Councilmember Johnson. Thank you, and I wanted to thank Mr. Aranio again for being here to represent the Water Commission. Um, I have a question for the city attorney on this. 
Um, the, the current plan is that the ad hoc committee of the Water Commission is going to have invitation-only closed-door meetings that will not be recorded. Is that legal? It will be only two of the Water, water Commission members, so far short of a quorum. Uh, yes, uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Mayor, Councilmember Johnson. That is legal. Thank you. That's my only question. Thank you, Mayor. There's no motion required. Yeah, recommendations to receive and file the proposed CIP for fiscal years 25 to 29. Mr. Shade, thank you very much. Thank you. Public communications, Mr. City Clerk. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. No additional public communications received. If I'm not mistaken, I think we want to adjourn tonight's meeting in memory of Ralph Harrison and Tamara Murphy. Murphy, thank you. Meeting adjourned. Into closed session. Uh, into closed session.